When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Middle call! Baby, hey! What's up, everybody? Well, it is uh, Tuesday early afternoon, and the show is here after much debate. Not among the comments, but among uh, us. I'm Guy, that's John. If you're listening to this, check out um, our YouTube channel, which is in the description of the podcast. If you are watching us on the podcast, we haven't mentioned this on YouTube, if you're watching it live or after the fact, Either way, great to have you. Like, subscribe, all that. But you can show out the podcast down into the description below, and that thing gets delivered to you however you want it, whenever you want it. Share with your friends. Share with your enemies. And, yeah, on this uh, dreary day. 2023 uh, resolution, New Year's, more enemies. Yeah, more enemies for sure. My New Year's resolution, more enemies. Uh, screamed at the DoorDash guy yesterday because I'm like, you know what? I need some more enemies. You did? No, of course not. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking about, I'm over here. I was actually thinking today. I saw. I was. I was checking my. Uh, you know, Southwest. They. They. Uh, you could bill them for all your rent of cars and yeah, food yeah. and gas. Yeah. We'll. We'll see when that check comes through. Yeah. But I. I sent him about a five hundred dollar bill. Um. Uh, and uh, I, I was so I was going to my credit card statement and I saw you know I pay. Definitely when I used to live alone and you guys, you know, you guys with significant others that cook have the world fucking by the balls. It's pretty easy to just have someone making your meals all the time. Uh, you've been living pretty good. Haberman for a long time. You know, it's like, uh, is that why it's been hard to stay skinny for you the last few months? No, it's just, you know, oh. it's just an added element that you just, there's going to be food ready. You know, it's you guys, you know, I see what you guys have been up to now. You know, I, I see, uh, that, I pay when you live by yourself, you know, you just end up like, fuck it. I don't want to cook. I'll just get something delivered. You pay yeah. the nine ninety nine to get the free delivery. Cause over right. time it adds up. And right. I, realize, like, I don't even DoorDash that often. Like, why am I giving them whatever? $120 a year. Yeah. You know, I'm like a, that's like insurance revenue for them. Just constant. Boop, 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 boop. Sure, if you're not using it all the time. If you use it all the time, it saves you money. But yeah, I mean, I once a month, maybe I was, I was going to cut them off. If you're using it, you're not actually saving money, right? It's like if you bought, if something costs $50 and you bought it on sale for 35, you didn't save 15, you spent 35. For sure. 100%. So I, I saw today. I cut DoorDash off. I got a, uh, I bought something on Fanatics. <clears throat> oh, Mike Rubin. Which he owns every, you can't buy anything that's not from Fanatics. Every team, it's all back-end Fanatics. What'd you get? Uh, like this Oregon Ducks half sip. I got a $25 Fanatics gift card. I needed to buy something. So I was like, ah, oh, I found this half sip. It said Oregon on it. Kind of camo. I thought this you were going to say like an Aaron Judge jersey. 
it's just, I wanted to spend only $25. So I just went, I didn't want to spend 50 bucks because I didn't want to give them, you know, I didn't want the, anyway. They do have good golf stuff, like good t-shirts. Yeah. Golf. I bought, that's the only thing I've ever bought from them. They do, they charge free shipping, but they charge you $1.99 for handling, which I've never seen in my life before. Yeah. Free shipping, dot, 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 not handling. Not handling. <laughs> uh, it's the first time I've ever thought about the handling. John, we are brought to you and everybody out there. We are brought to you, not John. John already knows this, by our friends at Tito's, handmade vodka, numero uno. Uh, if you're showing up to somebody's house, if you're hosting, if you're bellying up to the bar, whatever you're doing, do it with Tito's. It is so versatile, so pure, so dependable, award winner, goes with everything. Tito's, thank you for your support. Yeah, can't recommend it enough. Share, uh, take your booze over to your friends, bottle of Tito's. The price point's fantastic. The taste is even better. And it goes with just about anything. So uh, Tito's, number one vodka in America for a reason. We, you, all of us love it. Yeah, uh, it's rare that something's price point is good and the price point isn't the selling point. The selling point is it's the best quality. It just happens to be a great price point, you know? For sure. We're proud to be a part. We're proud to be um, affiliated, sponsored by uh weird way a lot to talk about but like do you talk about it that was the debate we had before the show today after uh watching demar hamlin at monday night football last night and uh really the whole sports world i don't i haven't stepped into the the real world too much today you know like i if you turn on good morning america or something like that i would imagine the story uh crossed all into non-sports you know if you go right now to the front page of your your favorite local newspaper, like for John, the Ontario Times. Um, I don't know if that story is at the top of it, but um, yeah, we debated what what to do a show. Should we do a show as normal on Tuesday? Should we uh, do something different than we normally do? Obviously, we're here, so we're doing it. But I've got uh, I went to bed feeling weird last night for sure after watching Demar Hamlin. And I think a lot of people did. Probably woke up today feeling the same way. Yeah, I mean, it, it went from. I think it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen live in a sporting event for sure. And I think most people agree. Uh, anytime the ambulance comes out and the situation, once they say he was administering CPR, it, it was universally jarring when you see guys start crying and the, the faces it's, and it wasn't just tears. It was the, the, the fear in the guy's eyes, the Josh Allen shot. You remember that one? And to me, when these players, once you play in the league long enough, right, you've seen guys get their legs shattered, guys get basically every injury from training camp to games to practices. I mean, guys, you lose them for the season. I'd say 20% of players have witnessed firsthand a player's career ending, you know, like a guy, and not like a young guy that was never maybe a fringe guy, like a guy that's in the league playing injury, never sees him again. Yeah. So yeah. you injury get, rate uh, is 100% in the sport, right? Now, I, I was thinking about when I my first or second year in, in Philadelphia, Mike Patterson, a defensive tackle from USC, uh, in their heyday with Pete Carroll, was a defensive lineman for the Eagles. And we were at training camp in Lehigh. He had, I had to Google it last night because I kind of forgot. I didn't know if it was a heart issue, it was a brain issue. And he went down like in, in O line, D line drills. I don't think he was in the specific drill. Or he might have been in it, but you know, one of those where like he's the right defensive tackle and the, you know, it's like the left defensive end. So they're all kind of standing there, but only it's like one on one drills. He just goes down like, like Hamlin last night. And it was, I, I remember it being 
obviously a much smaller, it wasn't a game situation, but he's just lying there. And I, and I think you saw it, you know, with his, with his mom's statement today, I, I don't, we don't talk a lot about these guys, but the training staffs think about, you know, and I was thinking my mom got sick a while back and I was at the hospital and you, you just realize these people that are in trainers, medical field, whatever, when everyone is freaking out and worried at the, at the lowest, worst moments of the people you're around when something happens to someone, they have to be like Josh Allen in the two-minute drill, like completely calm, completely – like everyone's depending on them. And the other thing is no one can do what they can do. So the people that surrounded him last night, and no different when Mike Patterson went down, it's like th- there's a small amount of people who can even begin to fix or, you know – help the situation out like most other people are just complete bystanders right and that's why everyone when they start praying it's like really all you can do you're like fuck i don't nothing i can do to help you know yeah it's why it's why you get the fuck out of the way of the ambulance on the highway or on the street right i I read uh for i think it was for every minute you don't get the defibrillator your chance of living goes down 10 percent, something like that Right. So like every second, literally every second matters. Jeez. And they got when you the the one thing that kind of indicated how serious it is, you can see how quickly the trainer goes for his like walkie talkie or whatever, his little talkie device on his the second he gets out there, he's on that thing saying whatever he's saying, get the ambulance here, get get the AED or whatever the second. And then you see the replay again, you realize, I don't know about you, when it happened, you think, oh, this is a concussion which obviously it's not. Um, but the second they go for that walkie talkie, I think it was clear pretty quickly. And I don't, you and I are not going to, well, we can say whatever we want, but like, I have no time for, they didn't decide fast enough to end the game. It, it's pretty irrelevant, I think. <clears throat> but I did think watching it unfold, because you're right. Like if you watch sports as long, as much as most of us, you know, most of you listen to this, you've seen a million situations where a game gets stopped for something a player gets hurt. They get on the ambulance. They take them off. The ant, the play-by-play guy, then says to the analyst, "Boy, it must be. T- it's hard to get your mind back into this game." And the analyst says, "Yeah, it is." And then they do every time. Every time I've ever watched a football game, the ambulance goes off in the tunnel, and then they get back to football. So when they didn't get back to football right away, it was pretty clear that this was something else entirely. And there's some pretty devastating things that happen on a football field. I mean, I mean Ryan, Ryan Chazier's career ended on Monday Night Football. Ryan Chazier's career ended. His life was in danger, right? It felt like when that happened. Chazier? Yeah, right? You agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't vividly no. remember that. I mean, obviously, he got card, you know, uh, got put on the board. But I think sometimes it's hard with the board as you see guys get put on the board sometimes for caution and then they give up the thumb. You know, you just... We, you know, I'm not saying we're numb to the board, and this situation was completely different because Joe brought up CPR. Yeah, so you're like, uh, what? And then you saw the faces, and you just go, "Is." And again, this as of recording this right now, he's by no means out of the woods. The last thing I read, so this yeah. is a fluid situation that is just, you, you know, know was, again, I universally like. Heart wrench and part of it's Monday Night Football, so everyone's watching. Twenty million people. It's an enormous game, and I would imagine how fast if you weren't watching word spread, which is hard, right? It's hard to get everybody's attention in twenty twenty three. 
I think it's impossible. I, I don't. I don't really think it happens. You know, and I, I was. I that's what I thought about today. Of when we were kids. I mean, I vividly remember with my parents like Desert Swarm. You know, or presidential, uh, the State of the Unions, like in the nineties. Like, I mean, hundred million people. Like, you couldn't pay someone to watch pre- the State of the Union now. Like, it's just what do we all universally like moves us which is kind of sad we're olympics just, doesn't no, anymore no you see historically low ratings we're just so numb to so many things and it's, that's the first time i felt like sick to my stomach watching something live in a long long time which is sad because it's not like you don't see other bad things on the news and stuff yeah i think part of it i don't know for you for me part of it was like did I just watch somebody, you know, in the moment you think that I just, and, and as you said, we don't, as of recording this, the details are not, who knows what happens, but you, I, I hesitate to even say it, but I'm, you're sitting there thinking, if I'm just being honest, like, did I just watch somebody die? Right. Or suffer an injury that will cause them to die. Did that just, we just see that. Right. Yeah. Um, that's part, I, honestly, that's part of what, and it's had to be what, it, what maybe rattled them. It's part of what really rattled me watching it. I think we end up talking so much about in what we do, you know, Christian McCaffrey's performance or Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid or Mahomes, you know, the play calling and the execution The last night shows you like all these coaches. And listen, I, when I was with the Eagles, Rick Burkholder, who's still Andy's lead trainer. I think those guys are, you know, they're not famous by any means, but their role on a team, right. To keep these guys healthy and players all know it. Um, but you see them shine. And even now, like, it's not like we're speaking about their specific names. We don't know them, but that group of people that run over and you often see it right. When a guy gets injured on the other sideline, that guy's always right there, right? That trainer the, runs the right other over. trainer side, the, the other, other trainer. Side. And he just talks to him and think about that. When the guy is freaking out in pain or not even something nearly as extreme, they're always so calm. And last night you would, I can't even imagine just, the amount of urgency, but while staying calm when it realizes this is a pretty, uh, these situations in a, in the most violent game we have, um, I guess hockey would be right there too, but it doesn't feel like the hockey injuries are as consistent as the NFL with guys getting carted off and stuff in terms of broken legs and stuff. Maybe they just skate off, but I I was talking to a buddy. They told me that he, I don't think he witnessed it, but he was in college at a time when a lacrosse player at his school died from, you know, the lacrosse ball hitting blunt kind of this. That's what the thing that everyone's been talking about. Blunt force to the chest that causes Jeez. a heart uh, to stop. Yeah. Situation. So, you know, I, I you and I, I was telling you this beforehand. What's crazy. I had watched early in the day the USC Tulane game, which was a great game. And during the game, they showed a former Tulane football player who was at the game in a wheelchair because he's paralyzed from the neck down. And it was a story of like how he's reco- how he's gone on with his life after being paralyzed in a game for Tulane. But what they showed, I think it was a similar, somewhat similar situation in that they immediately on the feet and they showed this footage during the Cotton Bowl on Monday, the footage from ten years ago. He gets in a collision, they rip his shirt open, they put the defibrillator on his chest, they're trying to revive him, they put him on the. And I remember watching it. Just I remember it was yesterday. I'm watching it, thinking like, guys, I don't. Holy smokes, I don't. You don't. Maybe. 
it, don't show me that. Like, I don't think that needs to be on television today. So I was thinking about that last night, watching Monday Night Football. Like, I hope they don't show this stuff out of respect for everybody. And they didn't. Um, but I just watched that happen yesterday in, in the game before, or at least, you know, they talked about it happening in the game before. And yet it still felt so foreign watching that on Monday night. But, but even think about the end of that game when Tulane's driving to win the game. There was as violent of a collision as you'll see in college football. Those two kids. Both guys. Both guys. I mean, they both go down and not moving. And both sidelines are what I mean, the two lanes is telling them to get up, get ready to spike the ball. USC. Defense, what are most fans doing? Like USC. I know what I was like, I know what I, I know what I was doing. Counting the I clock. Was like, what I was doing was I don't think that's targeting. I don't think I was debating if it was targeting or not. With, I know. Yeah. That that was the most violent hit I probably saw in five days of watching football. I mean, the hit on Marvin Harrison Jr. was pretty violent too, right? When he was at the back of the end. I thought I thought the hit in the USC Tulane game though, because they were both moving. Marvin was stopped. Yeah, I think sometimes when you're both moving, again, we're nitpicking collisions here, but I think I, but we, I, you, we saw the same thing in Marvin Harrison. Like, is the guy going to get tossed? <laughs> right, know? right. I, I think your great your larger point is most times when there are severe injuries in football, our reaction is, was it a targeting? I hope he doesn't get tossed for that. You know, blah, blah, blah. Is he going to be able to play in this game? Right. Sorry, I, I interrupted the point you were making on that. No, I I'm, that's the point you're making. I had a point. I had a thought the other, well before this situation with the Bills game on calling it targeting, but it's, it's probably there's some probably sarcasm in there that's not even worth it. But uh, you mean on the tool on the it being called targeting? But that's another time. You're saying the place. word? Yeah. Oh, okay. But Maybe you're rename the that, penalty. You're censoring that take for another time. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's not bad. It's just not needed. Gotcha. It just hit my mind. Look, <laughs> file that one away for another more sarcastic conversation, yeah. which we've been known to have a time or two. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I thought I thought you know the situation last night. Not that. Again, this isn't the time to like nitpick people's takes, but like, you know, this these guys are humans. Like, I, I think most people understand that. But I, I think sometimes in these big games and these situations, you know, you just it's like these two teams playing for something. That situation, when it just brings the entire sport to a screeching halt, just kind of humanizes the whole thing of just life or death with the individual, the the I mean, looking at Diggs with tears and Josh Allen just looked like he saw a ghost. I mean, it yeah. was just – and again, I'm not making this about my experience, but the same thing. I just – I'll never forget Trent Cole screaming for help. Again, they were helping him, but he's just freaking out. As Mike Patterson, who might have died – it felt like, is this guy going to die on the field? And I I think he made a slight comeback, but it, it it's just – Come back those, to the sport. Come back to the sport, but I don't know if he really played much after that. But those situations, like, there's a huge, huge gap between everyone just, you know, jolted over a leg snap, right? Or uh, or a guy, even some of these concussion situations, it feels like, than, than a situation that, like, even like last night, which... Yep. Yep. Like, I thought Chester said it pretty well. I've never seen anything like this. 
I don't think I have. I mean, may, maybe it, it, certainly things have happened before. But Michael on the stream says, what's the, diff the difference between this and Christian Eriksen going into cardiac arrest at the Euro tournament last year? He was revived and stretched off. Play resumed less than two hours later. I remember the video. I'm not that familiar with the with the play. I mean, with the, like the situation other than I, re I remember what happened, why they decided to play or whatever. I don't know. But, um, you know, there have been I, – I don't know. Last night, I thought anything was on the table in terms of what, like when you play another game, right? I still don't know. How do you, and this is not us debating what, what they should or shouldn't do. I just, like, if, if you're one of those players, you're like, what do we, how do we, what do we do? Like, I thought watching Mississippi State play football this weekend was kind of a powerful thing, you know? Like, they, yeah. like, Mike Leach wasn't their former. He was their coach. And you made the point to me, like, this guy was – I saw the video of him with his mom pregame, DeMar, with his mom. I don't know if you – did you see that? Him on the field, his mom was filming him. Just somebody shot a video. He, like, came over, saw his mom, hugged some friends, whoever else was there. You see Tomlin today? No. What did he do? Say. <clears throat> well, he's like, first and foremost, we just naturally know the Pittsburgh guys pretty closely here. We oh, share a stadium with the program. Yeah. He's like – I've actually known this guy since he was 12 years old. 12 years wow. old. Because he, he's from Pittsburgh and he's just kind of been a football player. That I don't I don't know their exact connection, but like I've seen this guy chase his dream to become an NFL player. And he's like, we play Buffalo the last two years. And we were joking about it earlier this season, me and him on the field before the game. Like how cool it is for him to like how much and just the way Tomlin talking like damn man wow I had read that he I guess he had a ton, like this is a legit recruit he had a ton well, of offers. you know that 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 sweatshirt I sent you Pittsburgh is the new Calabasas mm -hmm. part of that was that like he, he's a Pittsburgh guy didn't need to stay there and it was a big deal for him to be like I'm staying like gotcha. the, his hometown meant something to yeah. him the thing one of the things I read was that it was really important to him to stay there so he could kind of be a model for his younger brother. Like he stayed because of his younger brother, like to be there for his brother to see him succeed and not fall into other things. Um, Mark says the Eric, the situation with the soccer player, Erickson, they resume play after they knew he was going to be okay. And I actually think, you know, what's cr crazy about the situation last night. And again, I just fucking hope the guy pulls through. He represents the NFL. Like right. most of the NFL is not Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, right. Stephon Diggs. Most of the NFL is when he went down, I had to Google him. Six rounder. And it's like, it's not like he went to Cal Poly. I mean, he went to an ACC school that just is produced starting quarterbacks, star receivers. He's starting now. Now he's not the natural starter, but they've had injuries. He started 13 games for, I don't know, one of the best teams, arguably the best team in the league. And he wouldn't be alone. Like they got other guys on that team that are, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders that you do not know unless you follow like that conference in football or, you know, there are guys, hell, I follow Pac-12 pretty closely. There are guys from like Washington State that I, I'm like, damn, he played at Washington State. You just, he is the majority of the league. Right. You know, and when you're in these buildings, it's a lot smaller than it feels when you watch it on television. Like the NFL feels really, really big and it is in terms of its interest and everything. Like you just if you go to an NFL office, honestly, like you go to these college football offices, like when you go to the college football practice, they have way more guys at practice than an NFL team does. 
we're, we're not, you know, the media is not really allowed at practice during the season once they cut the roster, but there are way more people if you just went to like a bowl games practice at USC, Ohio State. They got 115 guys. Well, the yeah. NFL has like, if you factor in the practice squad, it's like 65 players. In the NFL, it feels like one guy one week can be one play away from being a starter and the next week be one play away from being cut and never play again. I know. It's a good point. I've always thought. I'm even talking the whole upper, like the players, the, if you're oh. like in the players, the f- kind of scouts, the trainers, some couple weight guys. Like it, it's, you know, everybody. Like you see the same faces every day. I'm not the biggest. I think a guy can be a little cheesy, but I, Andrew Brandt had a tweet today that like, you know, I've always equated the NFL to kind of being on a submarine. You get on in late July and you don't get off till whenever you're knocked out of either your season ends or the playoffs. And you're just kind of in that thing with the group. And you just see the same fucking people every day over. You eat together. You sleep together. You just, it's a tight knit. Like that Bill's plane. Those guys spend every waking hour together. The players get a little time off here and there on like a Tuesday. But for the most part, it's just like, I didn't even realize. You see, Kyle doesn't even give off victory Mondays. He feels the most, he's like, that's their best teaching day, I believe, is a couple hours going over the tape. It actually made sense, but a lot of teams, like, you spend a lot of time with that little unit, right? You see those, like, whenever you watch Hard Knocks, you see the guys in the training room. They go often just the trainers, the weight, the weight room staff, the position coaches, and the players. Just, you know a lot about each other, you know? And especially if you've been on the team, like, this guy's a six-round pick from last year, so... You, you build up years of equity as a human being. The other thing that's always bothered me a little bit, like Deshaun Watson situation, right? Like clearly most people think he's a scumbag. The situation is kind of gross, turn off. And there have been worse situations of guys like committing murder or whatever. Those individuals to me are the outliers of the league. Most of the league, like the overwhelming percentage, I'd even go like, 80% of the guys, and then another 15%, like, yeah, they might bother you sometimes, but they're not bad people. Like, 80% of the league, like, really high-level good people. Yeah. Like, just just solid humans, you know? Yeah. They work, they're just, you're just like, I like this guy. You know? Which is why I think when you see a lot of people who are around a team always have takes like that, because they know it's most people, just like most people. You know, you can drive drive for seven hours. One guy cuts you off, and you say drivers are idiots. When the, you know, the fact is that most people were didn't cut you off, right? And sometimes that can create a a, a negative um, impression. But I've always thought what's cool about football and really just pro sports in general is like the guys you've heard of, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, all that. Everybody knows, but there are guys who you and I watch, you know, some guy makes a special teams tackle. He is the hero in his town. Like his high school has his jersey up. He comes back to talk. It's a humongous deal. I think if you're around it a lot, like I am, like you are, you, it's easy to get jaded to that a little bit until you like interact with guys who like he played four years in the league or he played two years in the league or like it matters that somebody went to a camp, you know, like if you had a math teacher in eighth grade, they're like, I was in camp with the Bulls in 89. You remember? Well, I don't want to mention people in the context of this, but I remember when. I, well, I, I don't think. Well, you, UC Davis people were king of that. My dad is a diehard UC Davis guy, and there are three or four of them that they took so much. Pr- if my dad was still alive, you know the pride that his group of buddies would have taken in Nate Hackett getting a head coaching Hackett. job in the NFL. Who's the guy? Was it Mike Morosky? 
the quarterback. I remember when he came to talk to my to Emerson, he threw one touchdown pass in the NFL to Jerry Rice. When he came to talk to Emerson, it was like you would have thought it was Tom Brady showing up. It was like, holy shit. This guy threw an NFL touchdown. Honestly, you would have thought huge. Boise like, State was like UC around Davis. Them. You would have thought UC Davis light in Boise State. Like that's yeah. but but even at bigger schools, they have more of them. I bet this guy for Narduzzi was a pretty, you know. Local guy played at his program. Yeah, starting for the Bills. Right. This guy's community yeah. was huge. Pittsburgh, com- Pittsburgh is a big community. Pitt football is a big community. Share the stadium with the NFL team. Like it, in a weird way, it's probably a little more close knit than I even give it credit for. Right when I heard Tomlin talk about it, they're all kind of. It's actually probably a unique place to play college football, right? Yeah. Or high school football, for that matter. Some think of all the high school guys, all the stars that are from the area that are always kind of rep their areas. Yeah. 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 The state. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, if you're listening to this and there's been news after the fact, then just know that this was uh, 246 Pacific, 346 Mountain, 546 uh, Eastern on Tuesday, January 3rd. So. So then we debated, like, well, should we only talk about this and just leave that as the show or talk about other stuff? And ultimately, we decided to talk about some other stuff. So we will. Um, unless there's anything else to add there? No. I don't I don't know what, you know, playoff implications or whatever. I just I can't imagine what it's like to be one of those guys, one of the Bills players. And they're telling you in the media, you know, you're getting text message updates. Like, all right, guys, we may play. They may want us to play Thursday. They may want us to play Saturday. They're thinking maybe we could play, you know, we, it could go as a tie. How do you guys feel about it being a tie? I don't even know I, how you can have that conversation. My, my only football thought is, you know, assuming everybody plays this week, and I, I think you could, you know, I don't know if anyone would complain if you gave the Bills the number one seed. Assuming the Chiefs win two, they'd have one more win. I, 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 my gut would say that's on the table. That you're saying if they, if they, you're saying they, they, if they were to play, if they were to play this week, what if they don't play this week? You're saying the Patriots on the table? I would imagine it's on the table. I think it feels like it would be, right? But the rest of the league's playing. Yeah. No, I know. I just, I, that was my point. It's like, if you're the bill, if you're these guys, you're like, well, uh, you want me to play? And a part of it's probably dependent on if you, if we find out after we record this podcast that he's, that like he's making progress and he's feeling, you know, like I don't know, maybe that. Well, it was pretty him. clear last night. Like they can't play when they don't know the status of this guy and right. what they just witnessed. It wasn't good. So it's like you can't ask me to go play when the back of my mind he might not make it or he's struggling to live. Right. If if he goes off, gives me the thumbs up, or you tell me, hey, he's fine, he's alert now. Totally. Okay. Completely different deal. And that's where it became pretty evidently clear. Like unless you're going to give the an update, which clearly didn't feel like it was coming. This thing's over. Right. But what I'm saying is now we have, you know, what if it's still unknown? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying you or anybody else has an answer. I'm just saying what a shitty just. Yeah, I guess my gut. Obviously, I don't know anything. What anyone else listen to this is the bills are given the number one seed. Do you think that's a possibility? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, possibility. I, I don't feel as strongly about it as you do. I, I think it, you know, if we're talking fundamentally a football perspective, it's 
goes as a tie and whatever that means in the standing is standings it means the you know i think the benefit to giving them the one seed would mean you give them another week depending on what happens right it means they don't have to play right away yeah but I, like if you told me they don't play this week i'd say i believe you if they just played 16 games no they would play 15 I mean, they didn't play well, yesterday yeah 15 and a half whatever but you know what i'm saying like if they just don't play week 17 and week 18 that feels like it would have to be on the table. My guess is the first option that everyone would go to is let's call it a tie and just see whatever happens. But the Bills might say, we don't, guys, we're not playing. We're not playing this week. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. How Good would luck, you? Raj. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else? What else? What else? Um, I, uh, we should talk. Actually, since we're talking playoff seating, let's talk playoff seating. Niners. Playoff seating. Uh, the Eagles are now a 14 point favorite over the Giants. Vegas, the, you just you think uh, making an educated guess, or do they have like a did John Mara shoot him a DM? Well, it might not have been John, but I think mean, you say there was a Giants. You saw a Giants reporter that said basically the Giants are gonna not, they're gonna rest people this week against Philly. I, I think I saw it was Roto World. The, the, right the, yeah, the athletic reporter that covers the Giants expects them to rest everybody. And I would say the line is 100% reflective, 100 reflective of that, right? Because that's not just like, oh, Jalen might return. I don't think it's a 14-point line, right? Uh, no, no. So I, I think it's pretty clear. And my thought was on Sunday night for the Giants, like, listen, you're playing with house money. No one expects you to do this. Why wouldn't you try to win 10 games, beat the Eagles? They just kicked your ass a couple weeks ago. Go into the playoffs with a bunch of momentum. And I talked to a buddy in the league who's on a playoff team. And I was like, you know, I hear what you're saying, but no one thinks like that in the league because one guy breaks his collarbone, one guy breaks an ankle, one guy pulls a hamstring and has to miss a game. All of a sudden, if you're the Giants, you go, well, let's look at the standings right now. The 49ers are playing. Honestly, Dillingham's team might beat this version of Kingsbury's team. <laughs> and he coaches Arizona State. And this team's a joke. So the Niners, I think it's fair to say, are going to win if they just try a little. Uh, they're playing David Plow. So you go, well... Power Plow. It's a great question. Don't know. Okay. Keep but you're playing the Minnesota Vikings, who you almost beat a couple weeks ago. So it's like, you could win that game. And then your second game... Who knows what happens? Like I said, injuries, weird things happen. We saw the 49ers as almost a touchdown underdog last year against the what looked like Aaron Rodgers going to win Super Bowl again, man. This is going to be a second Super Bowl. And what fucking happened? It actually crossed my mind <clears throat> a little yesterday. Like, how crazy is it that, that fucking punt blocked? Honestly, the punt block, not as crazy, is they were just in a position that a punt block touchdown late in a game when their offense did nothing could win them the game. I was thinking about that game yesterday, too, actually. <laughs> but his point was like, weird shit happens, man. We, we've just seen it too many times. This is not the college football playoffs where it's like, yeah, you're playing Ohio State. You're in a little trouble here if they care. Like, that's not the way the NFL works. And first and foremost, it just starts with like, when they believe like we're playing the Minnesota Vikings minus 19 playoff differential that we almost just beat, why couldn't we beat them? Absolutely. Dan Duggan, I think this is the guy you're talking about, said, after reviewing Buffalo's history in these spots and listening to Dable today, 
I think they'll treat the finale more like a preseason game. Starters play some, but not the full game. We'll see. Difference is you can dress everybody in those preseason games, right? Yeah, you don't have you, like the guys that you dress have to play, right? In the NFL, unless you're only going to sit a couple of them, which makes well, we'll get to the Niners in a second. But the the point of this conversation because the, the Eagles do down. if the Eagles try, which they 100 are going to try because they have the number one seed on the on the line. They've been right? trying for two weeks to win that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and that game's at the same time as the Niners game, right? 125? Yeah, 125 Pacific. Um, but so the Eagles are 13 and three. Um, if the Eagles win, they're 14 and three. Nobody can catch them. If they lose, then the Niners would have to also win. And uh, then they would have they would have the, the the one seed, but playing a Giants team that it's a it's like a triple whammy, I think. A Giants team that's locked into the sixth seed. An Eagles team that's now lost two in a row, right? And a uh, a return of Jalen Hurts, where I got to think, like if you're going to come back, like you're going to come back and try and play well before the playoffs start. So there's just a lot that points to the Giants not. Hear me out on this one, okay? If you're the Niners, you would just say, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. Assuming it's been raining the Bay, I know, but let's just say it's a sunny 68 degree day and it's throwing the ball weather. Couldn't you argue that Giants' uncommon opponent, new coach, just they they play in a way that actually pre-Purdy was very similar to you, just kind of the uglier version. You have a lot of history with the Green Bay Packers. The schemes, the coach, the quarterback, your defensive guys playing Aaron Rodgers. It's a pretty common opponent. I wouldn't, it's not quite division common, but it's saying you'd rather play the Packers. Would you say out of division, there's a more common opponent for this Niners team than the Green Bay Packers over the last four years? Uh, doesn't feel like it. Maybe Atlanta feels semi-common. They've played Atlanta a lot. <laughs> but they played the Green Bay Packers several times, twice in the same year, right? Because yeah, yeah. in the playoffs and in the regular season. They've yeah. played Aaron Rodgers a ton the last since like Warner and Bosa and Greenlaw and those guys have been there. Jimmy Ward. New Orleans, although maybe a little less so the last couple of years, but yeah. But they've had turnover. Like, I'm talking about the LaFleur Rodgers operation. Yeah. These people. So, now, so is that what you're getting at? That you'd re- you think there's a chance? I'm just saying you could, you could make the argument. I think like, you could make the argument that the Giants are just a little more stressful to play. Now, one team's got Aaron Rodgers, and you feel like, God, if karma's a real thing, we can stole one from them last year. Or do we owe... <laughs> Do we owe somebody something for what happened last year in Lambeau? They don't. Yeah, have I to told I told someone the other day. Let's just say Aaron Rodgers has one more moment in him in his NFL career. Wouldn't it be like making a run as a seven seed, winning yeah. six straight games, getting the playoffs? Worst quarterbacks have done it. Start knocking off like he knocked off the 49ers, 12, 13 and four. He knocked off the Eagles. He knocked. He got his revenge against the Giants. Like. It was set up, and then it was like... Look at this t- NFC. Took on Mahomes. Look at this NFC. Like, okay. Right? Yeah. Niners do own them. I mean, they never lose to them when it matters. No, Ever. I know. I know. But I do think there's something to be said for when I watch the Giants, and I've watched them a fair amount. I know you have, too. I think a lot of people have. They've been on TV a lot. They're kind of a... You kind of joke about them. They're kind of a joke, but they're not. They're, but they're, they are definitely not a joke. Let me be clear. 
But I just mean you like, oh, this team with Daniel Jones, they can't possibly be. But then I watch them, and I think they have good players. I Like, they have good players. And to me, all it takes, we've talked about this, all it takes is like two first-half interceptions, and your whole thing can go sideways. It's like the Niners are out here just blowing it. I mean, the Niners blow some teams out, but they don't blow teams out that hang with them, which is what's so unique about that Raider game. Even a behind-the-back tipped-out fumble, right? Like it's happened to the Niners to Kittle and Ayuk before, right? Oh, this is a 17-yard game. Oh, my, where's the ball? Yeah, right? Yeah. Th- that happens. The inopportune time. A field goal just, hits the upright instead of being up 10 nothing. Look at Robbie the other day. You know what's crazy? You have to play the game. Like earlier this game in the, doesn't get played on paper. What's crazy earlier in the game, earlier when they went up 27-24, similar field goal, at least, again, I don't have the yardages in front of me, a little farther away. He approached it like a draw. He kind of took it off the right and just drew it in. Where I mean, was the where was the ball placed? Uh, Same spot probably hash. Yeah, but what are the hashes in the NFL? They're relatively close, right? It's yeah, not college. college. Fell hash or college hash. My, but my point is, he approached it from that angle. This one, they did the middle. He tried to play like a cut, or maybe he'd say, "I just hit it wrong. I just tried to play it straight." It felt like he kind of pushed on it, like he just. You know, you do this on your stand shots. You decelerate, you know. On oh, my stand like, shots? Oh, I do. Yeah, all kinds wrong on my stand shot. I don't even know what I do wrong. But most people do. They don't. They don't swing hard enough on the right. sand shot and just go at the ground. Yeah. It felt like it was so short. I'm just gonna kind of ease it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, I hit it. I'm no kicking guru, but it wasn't as typical. He doesn't take that angle. Yeah. I don't know what do guys typically do left hash. I would think. You don't want to kick it straight because then you could really miss it left, right? Let's or see. hit the upright. So you want to put it out in the middle and just have it work. You know, I don't know. Do you kind of aim at the right post and try and work it back to the middle? Do you think he was so close? He tried to like, I don't want to swing too hard to like overcompensate. So I'll just, could you know, be. nice, smooth little, you know, it's like when they say just smooth little eight iron. Then all of a sudden yeah. you chunk it, it goes 10 yards. Yeah, smooth little eight iron is always a chunk. So <laughs> why is that? Yeah, I don't know. But there's just there's enough out there that things have like I just said, it sounds so cliche, but you know, everything sounds great on pay. Oh, the Giants, that'll be no problem. Until you're in the game and it's just seven, seven at halftime. Like that Raider game, like, oh, they'll find a way. Which they did, but not because it was just that's how it works out for them. It's because they were playing the Raiders and that's how it works out for them. The Raiders found a way, let's be clear. I, I do think Niners Packers will be on Sunday night football or Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean Sunday afternoon. I think I think the early game on Sunday is the CBS game, and then Sunday afternoon is either. Is that the way that one works this year? Well, to me, the early Saturday game is, you know, Jags Ravens or Jags Chargers. That's a lock. You have Saturday night, which will probably be like whoever the two seed is between the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs. However, they figure that out against, you know, Patriots, Dolphins. I guess Jets can't do it. Whoever, who's the other team? There's one other team left. Oh, the Steelers. That'll be, you know, a Sunday night game. I, I think they kind of, if the Chiefs are not the one seed, someone told me there's a reason they put the Chiefs on Saturday uh, this week against the Raiders to kind of give them, you know, the full week. If they give them Saturday night, they've earned that over the years as like oh, a so cash cow for the Saturday week. week. Wait, you're saying if they're not the one seed? Well, yeah, they don't control their own destiny to be the one seed. Right, right, got it. 
So, so they're the two seed. That they play on Saturday night, but they get a full seven days, right? Gotcha. Against whoever they're playing. Somebody has to play Saturday night and they want it to be semi interesting. Yes. And then this someone told me that, that it hasn't come out and it's never going to really be public. But one of the things the owners were cool about doing Monday night with, obviously they got more money. But you know how like the 17th game alternates year to year? Home mm-hmm. AFC, home NFC, home AFC. Mm-hmm. Monday night football is the same way. Like the NFC take it one year, then the AFC take it the next year. It's not just based yeah. on matchups and stuff. So it would be the AFC this year. So could there be three NFC games on Sunday? And if that was the case, I would say that Minnesota and New York would have a chance to be the morning game. The Niners. I mean, getting, the other. I mean, John, you're talking Dallas, Tampa, probably. Well, to me, that would be Fox midday, and then the night. You could do either way. I, I think the, the Niners, Packers, and Dallas, Tampa would be afternoon, night, right? In what some order. Yeah. I don't think you'd go wrong in either one. No. I would I'd guess the Niners, Packers would go night. Over Cowboys, Tom Brady? I think the Fox Day game does huge yeah, numbers. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. I, I think it gets massive in the playoffs. It's so, always been Buck and Aikman, but... Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm not trying to act like... It's hard. You know, Cowboys are the biggest brand. Brady's probably the most famous player ever. I do think the Niners Packers would be a better game. Feels like. Yeah, I agree. If you were. If those two teams both got to like, well, what game do you want? You ask both. Do you think they'd both say the same thing first? If you asked who, if you asked which teams you're saying, I'm saying Fox and NBC, like these are two of your games. One yeah. of you's getting each one, but you both, both tell me the first game. Simultaneous. You, you play the simultaneous game. Like, but do you think they both say Florida? Cowboys Tampa? Uh, Remember last year, the Niners Packers did fucking like 40 million people. And that was Saturday night. I mean, what's the biggest thing you can promote in the NFL right now? If we ranked biggest draws in the NFC or just no, as a whole. Yeah. Isn't it just Dallas? Aren't they always Tom? You're right. Like it's not, I, I feel like, like orgy, I feel like some orgy between the Cowboys, Niners and Packers and those combinations like yeah. are pretty, are the ultimate. So Niners, we, we saw Packers. it last year, Niners, so, Cowboys, Niners, Packers. So Niners plus Packers out Cowboys individually is stronger, but Tom's lost so much shine. People don't think it's a good game anymore. Well, is, is Niners-Cowboys the biggest game you think the league could get? Yes, again. In, in a conference game, non-Super Just like it was last year. The only way it would have been bigger last year if it was the conference championship game. Like, if the league could choose, they would have probably Niners-Cowboys, Cowboys-Packers, or Niners-Packers in the a- NFC championship game. You, right? would choose, no, you would choose, if you could choose, you would choose Cowboys-Niners, I believe. I do, too. And then you would have the Niners or the Cowboys play the Packers in the previous round, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, what are the four you would want, right? You just have, you would want. I, I think you'd probably throw Philly. I think you'd want, yeah. yeah well, okay, Philly-Dallas would be pretty good, too. Yeah, I think if, if the Giants have the right players, they're right there, too. Like, if they felt like some of those Eli teams, I don't think you'd go wrong. I remember Niners-Giants in that NFC Championship game worked pretty well. Yeah. I'd imagine if we Googled the ratings on that, it was probably pretty high. How many people do you think watched that thing, 2012 NFC Championship game? Um, I'm going to say uh, 51 million. 
Uh, let's see. Did a. I looked said, up a bunch of these. I said 51. 57. Oh. Because I think Niners, Cowboys, like the Dion year, Dion Niners was maybe the highest or one of the two or three highest rated NFC games ever. The biggest NFC championship game came the following year, which was actually two years. Remember, it was Niners Seattle. That game, Harbaugh versus Pete. That was a couple years later. But the biggest NFC championship game up to Niners Giants, 57 million, had been like four years previously when Favre took on the uh, when the Vikings played the Saints. He threw the pick. Oh, yeah. We threw it back across the field. So I, they're used to getting, yeah. So it, honestly, some of those, yeah, Minnesota, New Orleans, 57. There was a Jet Steeler year. They got 54. And then the Niners, Giants got 57. 57 is a lot of fucking people. I, I would throw the Giants when are they're The Niners viewed. are a bigger story this year than that year? Yeah, they've had some momentum. The Purdy thing has just kind of, I think, captured the nation's imagination. Well, wouldn't you say the Giants had some equity given that that kind of core group had won yeah. Super Bowl three or four years previously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I think Harbaugh was just a, just a spectacle onto himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had awoke a fan base, too. You know? It just everyone was fascinated by how weird he was, you know? Um. So the, the Niners game is in the afternoon this week against the Cardinals. In the morning, the Vikings play. And um, the Bears, you know, the, Vi- the Vikings could conceivably lose. The Vikings are 12 and four. The Bears are three and 13. And it, I think it'd be great for the Bears to, uh, to, to get the, um, stay with the number two seed. The Bears are currently plus six. Plus six. It's, so Eberflus wouldn't commit to to, what, uh, to Justin. I mean, I, like to me, they should absolutely tank. You know, if they lose this game, they are absolutely the two seed. And if they like Justin Fields, that's a hell of a powerful place to be this year in the draft. Would you risk just like what if someone falls on him, hurts his knee or something? I would not play Justin Fields at all. I would tank this game as much as I can take this game if I'm the Chicago Bears. He's, t- he's been walloped throughout the year. Wouldn't you just hey man, just just head to the offseason? You've you get seen what it. you need to see, right? Yeah. You've seen what you need to see, and you add to it the element of the draft. Like, if you win this game and you win four, we'd have to do some math here, but there's three other four-win teams. In the, yeah, there's three other four-win teams in the league right now. Can I throw you a curveball? Yeah. Those two guys did not draft him. And I, and I don't know this, but what if they were not that big of fans and they're like... We should also lose. What if we flipped them? Now... In a city like that, who clearly likes this guy, they haven't had a quarterback really ever. Can you fl- like? They couldn't afford to do that, right? Like you just got to roll with this guy. Yeah, I don't think you could. I mean, unless I mean the Cardinals. I just even in that scenario, you just you want to be the number two pick, so you get to decide. Well, let's let's dive into C.J. Stroud and see what we think. And if yeah. we like him more, we'll take him. And you know what? Could we get a first for Justin Fields? Yes, I. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, let's just see. Let's see what we think. It'd be pretty risky. I'm but, not agreeing with it. I'm just saying you just... No, it's we've a, seen enough incidents over the years. I mean, 
Josh McDaniels thinks Jared Stidham's like Tom Brady with with legs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, ne- you, right. you never know what coaches and GMs think, right? So I think they have a lot of motivation to lose. So if Minnesota, now that said, if Minnesota were to lose, the Niners don't need to win. If Minnesota wins, then the Niners need to win to stay at the two seed. And that changes the dynamic. A little. Well, the only reason they need to win is somehow, you know, the Giants, whoever the hell they're playing, are just keeping it weird, right? Because you would want the one seed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. If Minnesota loses, but then the Giants. So that that what, what does that mean? They play at the same time as you. So it, you can't go into the game with, like, Brock Purdy not active. You can't go into the game with McCaffrey. Just a little ankle. Inactive, right? Like, because if you knew Minnesota lost and there was no chance, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you knew Minnesota lost and you were the two seed, and let's say Philly and the Giants play in the morning and Philly won, so you are locked into the two. Would you deactivate Christian McCaffrey for the game? Yes. Deactivate Trent Williams, Nick Bosa? Right. But you can't do that if... I would call so many fucking guys up from the practice squad and make your head spin. But you can't do that if the game going on at the same time as you, Philly, if somehow... I'd send Josh Johnson and I'd play the third string kid. I'm not kidding. Okay, so I'd play Josh because I'd want Josh to get reps in case I need him. Um, but you can't really do that, right? Because the Philly game's going on at the same time as you, and you'll want to yeah. win if they're losing. So it just makes for a weird dynamic for the Niners. I do think the Niners got pretty lucky given their opponent, who did one, two, three at Cancun about four weeks ago, who now is playing with a guy that I would say 98% of. <laughs> You could go 99, couldn't point out of a lineup if his helmet was off. McSorley? No, Blau. Oh, Blau. Sorry. McSorley's hurt. Forgot. Colts injured. Kyler, you know, long gone. So it's this team's, they're a mass unit. You see their record? I mean, they're drafting probably in the top five. Yeah, they're, they're, they're. <laughs> Thank God for them. They have their pick. It feels like they'd be in a situation. Where they do, do you have this the the schedule or the uh, draft like order? the the records up in yeah. front of you? Yeah. Where are they? Where do they fall? They're drafting fourth right now because well, Indy has the, the Saints have probably fallen out. Uh, they're they've won some games. Well, you mean Philly? <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia has the tenth pick now, thanks to the seven and nine Saints. Uh, right now, your number one pick is Houston, Chicago at three and thirteen. Um. I don't know. Could Chicago end up with the? Could Chicago end up with the top pick? I don't know what the tiebreakers would be. No, because they got the tie, right? So Houston benefits from having the tie if they're yeah. three and thirteen, and Chicago's three and fourteen. No, because in in the opposite way, you'd rather have the tie to get closer to the playoffs. So you did yeah, one more. Chicago loss. would get the first pick, so they really want to lose, and Houston really wants to lose. Houston with a win is three thirteen and one. And Chicago would be what three and three 14? and fourteen, so they would be the ones. They team. would get the top pick, yeah. Seattle right now has the third pick, thanks to the Broncos at four and twelve, <laughs> and some weird tiebreaker with Arizona, who's also four and twelve. Indy is four eleven and one. That is one of the great trades of all time. When you factor in money, you factor in the headache, you factor in a top five pick. Little unlucky. It's not like. Caleb Drake may draft, right? Yeah. Because he'd end up with one of them. What if you're Seattle if you try to you try to do another trade? Um Detroit has the sixth pick, thanks to the Rams. So just to recap, the Rams are five and eleven and Detroit's eight and eight. 
<laughs> never in a million years. Atlanta, Vegas, Carolina uh, round out the next seven, eight, nine, and then and then Philly is seven and nine. I don't know what'll happen. You know, New Orleans, Tennessee, Cleveland, all have the same record. Houston has Cleveland's pick. So Houston really wants, I guess Houston could end up, there's a shot that they end up with two top tens, depending on what Cleveland does. Right Cleveland that, plays the Steelers. So, I mean, they're, you would think, unless Amari Cooper keeps kicking ass and taking names, that that's probably a win for the Steelers. Sneaky little interesting dynamic this year in the draft, John. There's only 31 picks in the first round because Miami forfeited its first rounder. Oh, yeah. So it's what a happened? little better for everybody in the second half of the draft. Where's the Niners Trey Lance pick? Denver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, so they do. But, you know, they lost Aaron Rod, it depends where you get, you know, you lose in the playoffs. Right. Right now it's 29. Because baseball is not based on how you do in the playoffs, right? It's just record. I remember seeing, like, the baseball draft. I'm like, oh, right. Didn't this team win the World Series? But they had, like, you know, they were, like, an 88-win team, and they're yeah. drafting, you know, 23rd. Yeah. I remember that one year. It was crazy. It's weird how all these different leagues do it all a little differently, you know? And the NBA just does ah, ping pong balls in a lottery <laughs> machine. Do you think ping pong balls will work in the, the NFL? Or do you, I kind of like it this way. Um, uh, I like it this way. In football, too, like in basketball, let's face it, it turns out years later, you don't really know. But like going in like that number one pick in football, like you could get fucking J.J. Water, Jamar Chase, like eight. Right. Also. Yeah. But also, I would say football, like trying to lose games on purpose only comes into play the last couple of weeks of a season, not whole years like in the NBA. And I think for baseball, most teams, baseball I, is like, God, I would I, love to see some lottery balls in baseball. True. I think for most teams, it really factors in this this week. And even that I would guess, like if you're in the Bears, like maybe some Bears coaches are like, this is a little weird. What am I supposed to do? Just not try. Yeah, I mean, I the guess sport, you the, just the sport is not very conducive to like no. just what do you I'll go home you and lunch. get my ass kicked this week. Yeah, just run the same play over and over. Nick, Kyle's I'm, like, yeah, I do it anyway. I just have 17 motions and this guy over here. So I was like, what do you mean? Did you see that? Mayoko wrote that Kyle does not give off victory Mondays. I did not he see did, that. He did this week, but he's like, historically, they're not a victory Monday. You know, when most coaches are like, get in here. One, two, three, victory Monday, and you're off till Wednesday. Kyle's not a believer in that because he yeah, thinks. I believe. I believe. Very sound logic. That you coach up that week's game so well when it's fresh. If I give you victory oh. Monday and I don't see you till Wednesday, you're not as locked in or even give a shit. You're like, ah, oh, I'll get that block next time, right? But like it's fresh in everyone's mind. It made sense, but it also shows you like your players better really like it. Like you've had a lot of victory Monday potential three of the last four years, and you're making these guys come in. Like right. Joe Judge couldn't pull that shit off, could he? No. Or Patricia, or some of the guys. Like, well, there's a lot of stuff, Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe no, Judge I know, but I'm, I'm just saying a lot of like Nate Hack. Some of these coaches, you got to be, you got to earn the respect of guys to be able to like listen. I only need three three hours every Monday, and then these guys are talking to their buddies like, "Shit, we're eleven win team. I haven't seen fucking coaches. He gives us off sometimes when we lose. Just give your space." <laughs> Kyle's like, "We got to coach him up." He is right in the logic, right? It's yeah. fresh. We can impact it. We can get you thinking about it. You're going to take more pride in it when it just happened. You get a couple days. You take your kids to the zoo. You went out on Monday night. It's like you've like lived a different life for a couple days. Totally. 
you've poked your head out of the sand. You have. It, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, John, I'm showing you here DraftKings updated rookie offensive rookie of the year award odds. The leader, Kenneth Walker, minus 130. Then Garrett Wilson, plus 200. Then Brock Purdy, plus 400. Kenny Pickett's plus 1,600. So Kenneth Walker, the heavy favorite, minus 130. Garrett Wilson, plus 200. Brock Garrett Purdy. Wilson's stats are a little better than I would assume they would have been given the Jets season. Um, Can you guess like Garrett Wilson's line right now? Uh, I'm going to say uh, 53 catches. Just stop. You're, you're, I mean, you're not. He's, he's 74,000 and four touchdowns. He's 70, 74 and a thousand. He has 74 catches. As That's Ayuk, it's Ayuk season. I know. He's, he's having Ayuk a really has 74 good year. catches. I, I know. Thousand yards. Scary Terry has 74, a <laughs> thousand and four touchdowns. Gary Wilson's a good player, man. T. Higgins has 73, a <laughs> thousand and seven. Jalen Waddle is 70, 1,308. Can you uh, give it to a guy just based on stats when their offense has been so terrible? But clearly he's good. At that position, yes. I would probably put my money on Garrett Wilson. If he gets to, what if he gets to well, 80 catches? Why is Kenneth Walker the heavy favorite? How? Let's see. I mean, well, he didn't start the first couple games and he missed a couple for a hamstring injury. So I. He's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16th in the league in rushing, 936 yards. So we may or may not surpass 1,000. How many touchdowns? Nine. Does that feel does that feel more impressive than Garrett Wilson? All nine of his touchdowns are over 20 yard scores. He's an explosive player. Is he Debo? I it's gonna be hard for Purdy to like over if you just put players in a vacuum, their seasons are pretty impressive. He played four, he's played five games. Uh, <laughs> right. He'll play six this week. He has 10 touchdowns. Making his fifth start. Plays quarterback. I, I don't want it for him, John. I don't. I don't even want him to win. I, it's too bad juju comes from winning an award when you played a third of a season. Did you see what I reposted on Instagram? Of the checkdown posted it of Purdy Senior Day. You sent it to me of Matt Campbell in tears, crying. I actually screenshotted it, and I was trying to come up with where did I? Oh, I must have deleted it. Did you did you hear the the guy like uh you know Iowa State's loudspeaker guy, the no. greatest player in the history of Cyclone football? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear. It. I <laughs> didn't maybe it was like the the most accomplished quarterback Cyclone football has ever seen. As tears are just coming down Campbell's face, I screenshot it and I was going to tweet like Middlecoff watching the Raiders blow another one or something like that, and I just the night got away from me. Yeah, but um. Incredible. Now, it, in all fairness, he is the most accomplished quarterback in the history of the program. And he put this guy, him and a couple other, you know, Brees Hall or whatever, M Montgomery, like that That coach became really, really famous kind of on their watch, right? Yeah. So yep. him personally, I bet just as a guy, clearly like coaching him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I was thinking yesterday that if you put him, I went back and look at Dak was like a two and a half year starter. Cousins was a three year starter. And it's not apples to apples because guys 
at that position, start for a while in college, and then get to the pros and don't play, right? Chase Daniel started for years in Missouri, right? And he's not a good NFL player, even though he's had a 15-year NFL career. Matt Barkley, right? Long-time backup, four-year college starter. So just because you start for a long time in college at a Power 5 program does not guarantee you to become an NFL starter, let alone an NFL player. Like It doesn't guarantee you anything. But... If you do, like, Cousins and Dak are pretty good examples of those guys had a lot of reps against really good teams, and it clearly translated, especially for Dak. Like, Cousins, it took a while. He was a backup. Dak became the starter immediately, right? Tony Romo breaks his back. Kellen Moore breaks his hand, and Dak Prescott starts as a rookie. And you just start thinking, like, certain guys are, you know, if they're given the opportunity, both Dak and Cousins, like, had to have unique circumstances to get their opportunity. But once they had it, they were kind of prepared to like t- make the most of it. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get ButcherBox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you... Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I wonder if Purdy just playing at a high level. Dak was all SEC guy twice. I think one first team and one second team, or maybe both second teams. Cousins was only like a honorable mention. Purdy was two-time first. And the Big 12, you'd say, is a pretty good quarterback conference, 
right? Because they throw the ball a lot. I mean, not always NFL players, but like production. Always these guys produce. First team All Big Twelve twice, and second team All Big Twelve his sophomore year. So like, not only did he play, he played at a super high level. You go really the only knock on him. I guess he's got two size and not a great arm, but Dak doesn't have a good arm either. But Dak has he's much bigger. He's more of a physical player. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of what you're saying is part of this. We can talk. We were going to talk about. It. I think you already started the conversation scouting Brock Purdy as we go along. Sometimes you get uh, scouting reports from other people. You were a scout for the Philadelphia Eagles. Rewatch the Raider game. Um, because everything you just said to me or to us, to all of us in this community, everyone likes to have a community on their podcast. Uh, but everything you just said is an explanation for why the guy, and I think what is most jaw-dropping about Brock Purdy is that he looks, to me at least, it's, the, it's how comfortable he looks in what should be, for most people, a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. We've watched Jimmy Garoppolo try to get more comfortable over the course of his career. Trey Lance looked very uncomfortable early in his career. Brock Purdy looks extremely comfortable. I would say that if you said, what's the overarching thing? Like, you've watched Brock Purdy. What stands out? I'd say, how does he look this comfortable? I would say one thing I noticed from a positive standpoint is in the pocket, he is not looking at the rush. Like there are plays when the rush is clearly coming and he's got to scramble. I'm just talking in the pocket when he might get hit or might not get part of just playing quarterback completely unfaced and doesn't look scared of what's oncoming. He's so accurate as a pocket passer. I, I One just thing I jotted down, he's hitting everybody in stride. Like not hitting them, hitting them in stride. Even just basic plays, like there was one crossing route to Juwan Jennings that kind of hit for a bigger play that was a good scheme play. Those are the type plays that Jimmy was just so hit or miss. Sometimes like you'd have to stop or you'd have to jump and all your momentum would stop and then you'd get tackled when it should have been a 25-yard gain, but it'd only be 16 yards. In the grand scheme of things, while you're watching, it's like, well, whatever, first down, move the chains. When you watch him play, they're getting all these extra not the yak bros where Debo's got to make seven guys miss or, you know, IU has to run around a guy where you just, the play is there to be made and you're going to get extra yards if you just hit him like good quarterbacks do. He he does that all the time, guy. All the time. I mean, his accuracy in hitting guys as they are not breaking stride is phenomenal. Is it, it really is. When you were scouting college guys, would you somehow, was that part of the grading? Like completed yeah. passes, obviously, are all completions, but like on target versus. I mean, I don't think we players are different sizes and all that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, maybe it would have been something I, I would have personally done as time would have gone on. And I think about it much more than since shit, we've been doing it. Part of it is just like I'm a much better scout now doing what we do just because think of all the different players we've seen over the years part of like it's experience in any business. You just, you kind of know like, yeah, I could see this working or I couldn't see this working. Just think of all the quarterbacks we've seen in our time, like watching all the Raiders and Niners teams, like of just, you know, Derek, anyone can scout. And one thing I learned, like when we'd have free agent meetings, no one asked my opinion on like Nadamakan Sue or Haloti Nada, or, you know, it's like my mom could watch fucking Randy Moss in his prime. You're really evaluating Derek Carr on down, right? That's where you make your money. And that's most of the players, right? 
And, you know, I think Derek and Jimmy are pretty good barometers of like, these guys would start on most teams, but do you really want them? And then once you don't really know until you see someone else, right? And seeing, I always thought pretty highly of Jimmy, and I do. But you realize kind of how flawed he was as a pastor for a guy that's supposed to hang his hat on quick release accuracy. Clearly, that ain't his deal once you watch Purdy. Well, quick release is his deal. It's his deal, but part of like quick release and just get the ball to the guy and let them make plays. Well, he's kind of he throws it all around. So yeah. it's like yeah. they make plays, it turns out, because I don't know, Debo's one of the great playmakers in like the history of the league through his like couple years in his prime. I mean, he's just, Kittle is an all-time yak tight end type player. You watch Purdy, it's like I think Purdy could play with a lot of different players, right? He wouldn't be caught to one, like he doesn't need Debo. Now I'm not saying you don't want Debo, but like Calvin Johnson was, probably wouldn't be his ideal superstar, but no, but even there was a play. I think we mentioned this after the game on that throw down the sideline to Juwan Jennings. Like only one guy was going up and making it. And the DB made a good play and kind of knocked it out, or maybe he dro- dropped it. One negative thing I have on him. And he doesn't do this a lot. Like he's pretty locked in. He can't afford, because of his physical attributes, to go Rodgers and Mahomes and get casual. On the pass, on the throwback to Kittle, Sanchez got just, I just had the volume up, and I watched it on the condensed version, so you just hear little snippets. Sanchez makes some really good points. On the throwback to Kittle, the corner, Robinson does a good job, doesn't bite, so he beelines it back, right? realizes they're going to run this like back crosser behind him. So he beelines back. He ends up making the pick. But Sanchez was like, Brock, fucking rip it toward the end zone. We're only, you know, Kittle, just let him run under it. Worst case scenario, you overthrow him. Purdy, who is clearly not afraid to get hit or whatever, kind of casually threw off his back foot. A little Jimmy stuff. Didn't need to. Could have stepped into it. And, you know, he has the arm where he has to kind of let it rip. And if he would have done that, it was fine. He kind of just got... You know, as the kids say, in his bag or whatever. He was just kind of feeling himself. I bet that's something Kyle was like, bro, you need to set your feet and let it rip there. You can't go Rodgers back foot. Like, Rod, there was a play in the Miami game where Rodgers hit Mercedes Lewis, and it was just like, boop, like way down the sideline. It was sweet. Him and, like, three other guys can do that. Purdy does have to play with his feet set. and Because when his feet are set, his ball is pretty good velocity. It's not like... 99 miles an hour, but it's he's not Alex Smith. Like he, he's getting enough on it on, on the line slants and stuff. I would say it's good news that that interception was because he didn't throw it as hard as he could. It'd be bad news if that throw initially live, I thought, oh my God, he just tried to cut that loose and that's as far as he kind of throws with his feet leaning back. Like he's, he's not talented enough to do that. I wonder if he thought that thing was a walk-in when he let it go because you could, he, I just remember Sanchez reacts like, oh, like I think everyone thought on TV, on you know, on on the TV broadcast, you can't see where he's throwing the ball at the moment where he drops back. Which, um, but everyone reacts like Kittle must have looked. I haven't seen the L twenty two of it, just wide ass open, right? I wonder I think if he the, thought. I like, think the DB. Well, the DB was up more, and, and then turned around and went on. straight back. Right? Yeah. I wonder too. This is one of those classic ones. This is where you need experience in the league. I've been in practice. It was just a lollipop, right? Just throw it up there wide open. And just all you have to do is make sure in this offense, Brock, 
just hit him. So worst case scenario, he gets tackled. We we just like completing this pass. We scheme this guy open. We've missed this pass eighty percent of the time over the Maybe years. Maybe he overthrew it in practice. Who knows? But to me, it's just some of his wayward passes. I noticed just feet not set. He again, I I don't think in his mind he's like getting casual, but just maybe loses focus a little bit because when he's locked in and, and and like his feet are set, everyone's in stride. Bing, bang, boom, boom. Like rewatching Stidham, I do get like Stidham's got some physical tools, right? Big can move, big arm. Can the one pass he threw to Devontae for the touchdown where he's scrambling back? It's kind of like it's one of those like damn. Like rewatching that on that play. What took a hit on that play? Crushed Hufunga. Yeah. And, but this is what it shows you. Like, if you just put it in a vacuum, Jared Stidham is physically superior to Purdy. Taller, bigger arm, bigger prospect, the whole thing. But then you watch Purdy play, you're like, that's just, and I'm not taking Stidham was good in that game. But now I've seen I the four games of work with Purdy, it's like, we were talking about this, I think, on Thursday. Like, can this – everything is just translatable. He's not – it's not like he's RG3 and, like, doing seven three sixties a game and throwing, like, 80-yard bombs. It's like, is this kind of hit or miss? Even when you look back at Kaepernick's career, as a – not the running, but the passing, a lot of it was just really, really explosive plays. It was like, well, could you just hit the basic stuff? He hits the basic stuff with ease. You know, that's yeah. – and I bet Campbell would say he's been doing that since we recruited him out of high school. Like he has to hang his hat on that. And that's part of the frustration sometimes with Garoppolo is the stuff that's basic for a vet. Again, I don't want to go down the Garoppolo road again because he made a lot of the solid plays. But there would just be times where the simple play didn't get made and it would just throw everything off. And that's where, to me, like that the Cousins group is where you know I throw Derek in there, Dak. That's that group. Like you know, given. Obviously, they can have like top five weeks, but over the course of the year, they usually land between like nine and 13 range, right? Give or take. That you can win pretty consistently in that range if your coach is good and your team's solid. And I just think Purdy, like, I, I do think he has some skills to translate to potentially be in that world because unlike Cousins, Cousins can't make something out of nothing. He's not a good enough athlete. So he can't throw off platform. Like Dak can. This guy can. Now, Dak, before the ankle injury, right, was a running... This guy's not a running threat, but he knows that. So he doesn't... Honestly, he, he does that running is the throwaway. He does the blind... You know, he's done it a couple times now where the, his back is to the defender. He steps right, only knowing that he's going to step left. And I wonder if one guy's going to bank on that move at some point and hit him from the blind side, but... He's, he's going to get hit for sure. But wouldn't you imagine he's done that like he learned that move against Baylor and other teams over the years right yeah like I he mean, didn't just I, I doubt he just freelanced it in the league it's just a dicey move because the time it doesn't work is going to be a 12 yard loss well it's going to be fucking Micah Parsons or Hassan Reddick yeah I mean it may be <laughs> I I don't it's great that he's got it in the bag I, I don't want to see it every week well I'll tell you this what if it's round two and you're playing Micah Parsons and he doesn't bite and he slams you and the ball comes bouncing out and then uh, Sam Williams picks it up and goes to the house yeah and you're right I just, down 10 nothing <laughs> but you know, if that's the worst thing that happens, that's a terrible thing. But it's it's the overall on the balance. I would I'd be curious, like, you know, if you were still scouting in Philly, what you guys are, you know, what every what the guys who scouted him are saying. I bet there's a lot of I knew it, man. I just knew it being said in some of these scouting departments. 
it'd be I, I think inherently a lot of people are against little people in pro sports. It, basketball and football for sure. So you think there's but, a lot of like just wait and see, just wait and see. I would just say you bet against a guy that feels like he's six foot, 190 pounds. Yeah. The way he looks. I, I think it's less about he'll see because he does a lot of good stuff, right? At a, at a Iowa State. It's more like this guy's too small. This guy's too small. Look at what's happening to Kyler's and Baker's. Like they're, they're, they're crumbling like cookies in the league. This guy's going to make it. it it's, an, it's honestly an easy one to argue from that side. And I don't blame anyone. Shit, the Niners. I mean, they 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 could have taken him in the fourth. <laughs> it's not like they thought he was going to be like Trey Lance's back. You know, it was two sixty three. Two sixty three. And one thing now, we you know do, about Kyle, you, get, you do get that. credit for because one thing it does show that they liked him, right? When you pick someone, that means you liked him in the building. Whether it's a position coach pound the table, an Adam Peters, like he had supporters. And usually that one guy supports hard enough and enough people are kind of like, okay, let's, we like this guy too. Yeah. But I, but like 40 picks before Kyle Shanahan could have still on the table and be like, we're not taking Tariq Castro fields. Brock has lasted this long. We're taking Brock Purdy. Didn't do it. So now part of football in the draft is a market value. I know, but what I'm saying is we've seen with Kyle before when it maybe it was the lesson learned from CJ Beathard. The one position that doesn't have the value just matters less is quarterback. No one well, ever says it, we overdrafted him in the sixth round. Put it this way, right? Purdy was not allowed to play the rest of the season. Removed from the Niners, he was going in the 2023 draft. Where does he go? Well, he doesn't go first. No, but this this film exists. Like you've seen him play for the Niners. It goes in the first round. You think so? Twenty. I think. You so. think he goes in the first round? I do. Yeah. I was gonna say he does not make it past the top fifty. You think I still think there would be people like, oh, they got a loaded roster. They got well, Kyle. We got a defensive coach. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't get past. Does McVeigh have a second round pick? He wouldn't get past McVeigh. Or uh, no, because they were denied for uh, McCaffrey. That crossed my mind today too. Watching the games, like, what if the Rams would have landed him? Would that would they have regretted that? What a waste. That been. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or maybe they'd be a Super Bowl contender now. But also what's fun about sports, like for as cool as it is to do the little exercise, where would he go? He went Mr. Relevant. That's forever his story, which makes him kind of way more interesting. Honestly, like what makes Dak and Cousins so they wouldn't be as fascinating if they were like, you know, because fuck, well, what do you guys think? He's the number two overall pick. You know, Dak was, went three right behind, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of like some sweet player, but I think he went. I think Dak was in Derek and Jimmy's draft. Well, you know, what's funny is like, now he was a couple years later. He was in I, Goff and Wentz's draft. I said. Uh, Brock Purdy's living Tom Brady's dream, which, of course, is a joke in that Brock Purdy got to lead a comeback win for the 49ers like that was always Tom Brady's dream. But Tom has all these rings, so it's. But like Tom, he was drafted closer to Tom Brady than you know any of these other guys. Like that, he and Tom Brady share, right? Yeah, that they share. I'm not saying anything other than that experience of being drafted late, being drafted in the fifth, being drafted dead ass last is pretty crazy. I mean, well, if he started the whole year, 
There might be someone close to the 49ers that texts me, not on the staff, but kind of on the staff. He's a little, several weeks ago, like, we'd only have one loss to this guy had been the quarterback the whole time. And you start looking at the numbers, like, would he have thrown for 35 touchdowns or was there bound to be regression? That's, that's what kind of makes this whole thing so fascinating. I well, keep getting farther and farther away. Like, I don't know. It seems translatable what he's doing, guy. Right. I know. I mean, he so he's the first rookie quarterback to start four and zero since. Do you know this one? First, uh, first rookie quarterback to win it is just to uh, to. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase it. The first rookie quarterback to win his first four straight starts. Lamar Jackson. Further back, right division. Rothbard, Rot Ben. Okay, oh four. Ben week three takes over. He wins his first four games. Do you know what his starting record was that year? Well, I mean, I think that team was the number. They were like fifteen and one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he went. He didn't lose. He, didn't, he, didn't, he, he, he didn't did not lose a, lose a start. <laughs> they lost week two when he did not play, and uh, or maybe he actually came in for Tommy Maddox week two, and they lost. And then he won the next 13 games. In fact, it was so good that he was inactive week 17. Because they were like, bench him. They had the number one seed. So that year, the, I'll just give you some like numbers here. He was 163, 174, 231, 193. Like Ben was never really that year. You know, I we have to go can back I, and watch. Can I give you a guess on how many touchdowns he threw? Yeah. So he started thir- 13 games, but he played 14. Because he or he sat the last one, so he played in kind of uh, Purdy esque in that the game that he debuted in, he actually played a, most of it. Like Tommy Maddox only completed four balls that day, so KO'd early. I'd probably guess under twenty touchdowns. Yeah, seventeen touchdowns, eleven picks. Guy, this guy has ten touchdowns in four and a half games. Ten. Now he never threw the ball. We have to acknowledge one thing, kind of a different, you know, 04 was a long time ago. He did not throw the ball as much as like do you have do you have uh, Purdy's game log in front of you? No. Uh, one two so he threw well, I mean maybe it was actually kind Purdy's of Purdy's throwing 20 it's 25 attempts. Purdy has not thrown it 45 times a game, is he? No, no, no. But even like I'm just looking like Week eight, 18 attempts. This is Roethlisberger, 16 attempts, 17, 19. You're right, though. Ben Ben played kind of in a different era. Like He only he threw over one. 32 touchdowns like three times in his career. So that's you know? a little different. But, you know, Kyle would have fit in that era. Um, he had a 300-yard passing game, just one. He actually only had two games in 13 starts, over 200 yards passing. Two starts over 200 yards passing that year. Brock's, I think, had three straight over 200 yards. Yeah. So and the and the Dolphins game right. So four out of the five Brock's been over two hundred. Is that right? Yes. Well, definitely. I mean, <laughs> he's been. A, I mean, obviously the Tampa Bay game. Obviously this last game against the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, so the Raiders was two eighty four, two thirty four, two seventeen, two ten. So, you know, it's a little different, but. Um, Fifth straight game with multiple touchdown passes. Second longest streak by a rookie since the merger. Justin Herbert has the record with seven. Did it in front of no fans in 2020, but whatever. It's translated well. Yeah. And uh, multiple touchdowns in each of the last five games. The only rookies to do that and win all five games in NFL history, him and Dak Prescott. 
all guys that played a lot and and you know three of the four of those guys were well ben was a first rounder but not a big school guy necessarily justin was first rounder and a big school guy but 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 i I think what parallels ben and dak is they went to pretty sweet teams because remember i remember tony being so devastated on his injury because like this is the best team i've ever been on remember he felt like yeah we finally have a defense our offensive line's good and he was devastated because he's like, this is my time. Like, this is when I shut everyone the fuck up. We're winning big. We're, we're equipped. And Dak came in, and that year, actually, Aaron Rodgers beat them in the uh, – I looked because I was thinking about the Packers, so I did some Googling. In 2016, the Packers started 4-6. and six. They won their last six games to go 10-6, and six, get in the playoffs, win the division – I forget they beat the Giants uh, on uh, Miami Boatgate the first round. They went on the road to a one or two loss Cowboy team who was clearly, again, the best Cowboy season of like the last 20 years in a regular season. Everyone was picking them to like make a legit run. Rodgers beat them. Probably the worst Jason Garrett loss given the hype. Last year was pretty then they, big. Then, they got, blown, then, then they got, got killed by, by Matt Ryan and Kyle. Uh, what happened that year? Because they were one, two, they were four and two. Then they lost four straight. I think he got. I think something happened to Rodgers. Yeah. Let me click on a box score. I'm just saying. The last time they got hot, they you know made some noise. Well, I, dude, it's terrifying. I they they are. I mean, but this is the way it is. Like it's fucking. It's just. Sorry. But to Roethlisberger and to Dak, Rogers played Andrew Luck beat him. They both got to do what we thought Trey Lance was going to do. Go to a sweet ass team, ease into your career, and then become a guy over time. It's honestly what everyone thought. It's like, God, is there a better spot to go to? Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, this guy Juwan Jennings crazy. made sweet plays. You got 75 running backs, even after they were all hurt. It's like trade for McCaffrey. Cool. Let's do it. Trent Williams almost retired, then decided to come play for Kyle and become, I don't know, the best player we've seen ever for the 49ers. Nobody ever <laughs> talked about Trent Williams when he was on the football team. <laughs> Nobody. How is that possible? You know, Nick uh, Bosa, well, I, I don't know, he's just become things. like Khalil Mack, the white version, but even better. It's like, what the fuck? I mean, this team is, they just signed this corner from the Chiefs, who turns out to be the sweetest corner the Niners have had in a decade. It's like everything, Hufunga can't cover anybody, but they don't even need him to because he just lights up everybody. It's like everything works. Greenlaw, they extend him. It's like, is this worth it? Should they have sent it the other guy? Hell yeah, he becomes Fred Warner Jr. This team... Is just ideal. Like Roth was, I bet people, a lot of people were jealous in that time of like Ben's. Like, look what team he gets to play right. for. 100%. Now, part of why, he, I mean, Ben's an all time great player, right? He's also 6'6, 250 pounds. Like, I think what really helps you be an all time great is when you win a championship early, really early in your career. Which what happened did, to Russell? Tom did, Russell did. Yeah. Before you had to care, like all three of them won championships when they didn't have to carry. Now, he did make, I mean, the throw he made to San Antonio Holmes in the corner of the end zone is one of the greatest throws in the history of the sport. Later in his life, though. I'm just saying, like, I'm not, a, I don't want to make it sound like he was a, yeah, you know, just along for the ride. Uh, he was early on because remember, their defense was like right, the right, right. Bears. Yeah, I just mean, uh, Packers, Rodgers played all four of those games they lost in 2016. So that I don't know what the deal was, but. Now they lost by like one to Atlanta. They lost by five to the Colts on the road and luck. They lost. Oops. I miss Andrew Luck. 
Uh, they lost by 22 to the five and five Titans. Mariota threw for four touchdowns. And they lost, they have 42 to 24 to the football team. Cousins threw for 375, three touchdowns. <laughs> Is that when Bruce Allen probably didn't even know his own name? What we called him Kurt? Kurt, What's that's it? right. Sometimes I have to think about it. It's Kirk Cousins, correct? <laughs> yeah. Kurt Cousins? Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. Uh, Mark on the stream says, I think Daniel Brunskill is going to be an upgrade on the left side. He can pull a lot faster. I don't see Aaron Banks making that block for McCaffrey. What do y'all think? I don't know. What, what was your nugget on Brunskill? Just that he tucked his legs. It's not really a nugget. Oh, that he played four sports in high school. He played, um, what did I tell you it was? One was volleyball, I think. Wrestling, volleyball, football, and it wasn't, maybe it was basketball. It was not baseball. Lacrosse? I thought it was maybe lacrosse. Yeah. They play lacrosse down San Diego high schools. Some of the guys I went to Cal Poly with like were big lacrosse guys. Football lacrosse was like their rotation. Right. You know, like lacrosse substituted baseball for them in the spring. Good hand eye. Uh, and volleyball was the winner. So it would make sense. Volleyball Brunskill, definitely played. Bruns, volleyball, volleyball you cross play wrestling, football. Yes. Yeah. Those are the four. Brunskill was a tight end, I think, originally at San Diego State. And then he got big. If I'm thinking, or it makes Brunskill, sense. I mean, Johnny played volleyball and lacrosse and wrestling, so he had to have been right. Brunskill went to San Diego State, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. He is a, a Joe Staley track. You know what's crazy about him? Like when Aaron Banks was laying there for a split second holding his knee, I was like, "That's not good," <laughs> you know. And then you realize their backup guard. I can't imagine many teams at this point in time in the season, have a better backup guard than a guy that started in playoff games, Super Bowl. It's pretty crazy how comfortable they are with that individual. I think it's pretty crazy how comfortable they are with that rotation. Which one? Well, just the fact that they like every week, it's like, yeah, we'll just use, sometimes it'll be one, sometimes it'll be other. We'll move a guy over. Just the way they use their guard. Like they're just pretty comfortable with banks out of nowhere. Burford, Brunskill. Yeah, the fact that they just, like, it's just been, like, that's what they lose, right? It's just the ability to kind of manipulate their lineup. Do you think many guys in NFL history have gone from uh, San Diego Fleet to starting in the Super Bowl in the same year of football? I think it's, I think it hasn't happened, right? The AAF? Wasn't he yeah, like the only guy, him fa- and P.J. Walker, the only two guys out of the league? If you factor in XFL, U.S., just over the years, how many guys went from playing in one of those type leagues to yeah. then starting for the Super Bowl team? That that same calendar year. It's got to be a small list in the history of the sport. Yeah, Tyler Clutch didn't go to the Super Bowl with the uh, yeah. Cowboys or the Browns or something. There were players that made it up, but that was the XFL. No, no, no. Clutch played in the UFL, United, UFL. United Football League. Yeah. I told Howie Roseman, I said, if Tyler Kletz ever plays a snap in the league, you can take my salary. Three weeks later, we're playing the Bears. He's a starting fullback for Jay Cutler. <laughs> I think caught a touchdown. Did Howie say something to you? Well, yeah, because our fullback had shattered his leg and we needed one three weeks ago. Said, what did he say? Well, he's like, yeah, well, we don't. I was like, I, no, I, I mean, agree. did he say something once it happened? Like, I, I'm taking J- joking, now. joking, yeah. but kind of serious. Because yeah, yeah, in yeah. fairness, Tyler, remember, like had like three, like looked pretty good. Started for the Cowboys. Remember, he played multiple. He, I, I think he played like five or six years for the Cowboys. When I got to the Eagles, he did not exist in a system. 
And in football, the system incorporates every college football player basically ever that has a Bulls. He always tells that story because I, I, I work with him. But he's a he's a Fresno State guy, great guy, and I work with him for a few years. There was a time when he was like, he was in the UFL and like doing a Fresno State pregame show. This is before he was in the NFL, but he was out of college. He was like, well, he played 14. defensive line in college. Yeah, yeah. He, he did not play fullback. No, no. But uh, but he tells that story about how like people, I think it was the Browns, maybe didn't know who he was because he wasn't in the the whole computer system. Yeah, no. <laughs> I had a buddy I was talking to the other day that said one of the worst parts of this season is he's like, I wrote up so many players that were quote-unquote seniors in college, and they were like, yeah, this guy'd be a third rounder, this guy'd be a sixth rounder. They're all going back to school because they have the 2020 year. <laughs> Brutal. You know, it's always been a risk. Right? And you, write, know, you write like a, a junior that you think's coming out and he decides to go back. Like That's probably five guys, like total, an area. Sometimes like 20 guys a country, right? This year, the amount of people per school, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to end up going back to school. Less guys in the draft? Uh, Potentially. Kurt Warner, says Mark. Kurt yeah, went, but Barnes I don't think that Barnes. was the same year, was it? Well, at what year did they make the Super Bowl? 99. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, 98, he was on the Admirals, so pretty damn close. Close. Kurt's a better story than Brunskill. I'll give you that. Amsterdam. Uh, Admiral. Well, we'll see how many championships Brunskill wins. <laughs> they make a movie about him. Do you see the athletes that Penn State? How long has was on your their flight? Have, huh? I was just thinking Penn State yesterday had a team that looked oh, like. You see the running back? <laughs> True would, freshman. Would Brunskill play for them? I mean, they had guys that it's like, do half these guys look? I have a buddy that went to Penn State. He's like, if this quarterback they got coming up the pipe, this is. They're a top five team next year. Like all these dudes are rolling back. Their body types look like, like, is that Greenlaw? I mean, did you see that fucking linebackers? How does James Franklin not win 12 games a year? You see the guy that wears zero for them? Best look, zero in the Penn State uniform is, looks incredible. One of their deep, one of their linebackers looks like so good. That team speed they had was just. I know. I guess their backup quarterback. I think it's supposed to be like there was some debate before the year. Like, should this guy, should we just move on from Sean Clifford and just let this guy start? And obviously they didn't. They won the Rose Bowl. But I was told if this backup guy is what they think he is next year, this could, they could be a, you know, because he was and just a freshman. Could. I mean, the eye test, it, it looks the part. He was they just feel like Ohio State. Does yeah. Michigan feel that as talented as them? I think Michigan feels pretty talented. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't think so? Well, no, I'm not saying Michigan does not feel talented. I'm saying Penn State feels like Georgia, just body types. Yeah, they looked, they looked, they looked good. I thought their body types were eye-opening. How fast and big everybody was. Assad says, "What are your thoughts on the booty situation in LSU?" Well, I saw, I follow Rosenhaus on Instagram. He was had his arm around him, and the guy had his pen to the paper. Uh, wait, wait, Rosenhaus? So. So oh, Rose now, sorry, not Roseman. Yeah. Yeah. But so just signed Boutte. Well, did you see he was going to transfer portal? Then yeah. he said, I'm coming back to LSU and playing play yeah. one more year for Boutte yeah. or for Brian Kelly. And then it got announced like a week or two ago, like I'm going to the league. Yeah. But you've seen this. Have you seen the backstory? Like I have not seen. Board? I have not seen any of the story. I just followed the different like he went. Like, Are you three aware that there's like a message board rumor out there? No. What is it? 
the message board rumor out there is that he, a few assistants, like three male assistants, one female assistant, were involved in some sex party somewhere on like a road trip or bowl game or I don't even know what. When you say assistants, you mean LSU, like coaches? LSU assistant coaches. Yes. Or like maybe, maybe not co- support that. It's not exactly clear. I don't remember. I just read like the message board recap of like the rumor. It's a rumor. I'm I'm speaking in rumor here. Okay. I'm peddling. It's almost like this rumor got out and Brian Kelly said, you got to leave type deal. That Some people think like that, that that's what's happening is that they're for, which I mean, good players don't get forced out for sex parties, but um, that the story is just so bizarre. It involves a lot of people from different, you'd say, like tiers of responsibility that uh, that I think that's the I don't think Assad's going like, where do they go for his catches next year? <laughs> I would say if the recruiting coordinator was in some orgy with the star receiver, is the recruiting coordinator going to survive with Brian? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, that'll be a big no on that. Yeah, it doesn't uh, feel like what Brian Kelly that was going to go over well, right? With those as, assistant staff members going into his office to explain what happened that night in the dark uh, orgy room. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you, Mark. Allegedly. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, Bruce Feldman among the reports that if Jim's offered an NFL job, he'll take it. Which is too bad, John. I think Jim serves a greater purpose for the sport at Michigan than he does in the NFL. Um, but I would also understand. My question is, would he take the Cardinals job only to spite the 49ers? Would you see who talked to him today? The Panthers. Did did he have contact with the Cardinals? You read that somewhere? Oh, no, I didn't. I just, I'm just thinking of all the jobs that are out there. I think Denver, Jim plus Russ would be very interesting. How about the Colts, Jim plus Derek Carr? Yeah, that to me is the one that I see. Did you see Joey Molinaro's video pretending to be Jim Irsay and Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. Very <laughs> good. These conversations, like him and Tepper, what would you pay to listen to that audio? Would you pay five hundred dollars? Because I might. I, I mean, like, I'd if you told me it cost a thousand and we each put in a, a five hundred, like, yeah, that's a good use of money. I would love to hear Jim in a conversation that matters, where Jim is not the clear superior. I would. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, where he can't just kind of alpha his way. Even though I've seen clips at Michigan, I do wonder if he's chilled out a lot the last several years. Did you see that side-by-side of the same thing happened to Sark and Harbaugh? I did not see the Harbaugh. Well, obviously Sark wanted to kill the kid. I have a take on that, yeah. Same guy did it to Harbaugh. No, I mean, not same guy, different game, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. same thing happened. The guy kind of puts his hand on Jim, and Jim's like, two more minutes? And the guy's like, yeah. Guys, like, yeah, a couple more minutes, and Jim's like, okay, it kind of gives him like, <laughs> just it's like, but someone put it side by side. It's like, uh, it was again, you're in those situations. That guy's always standing there. I hate, I just think Sark is an all time just phony fraud, not even as a person, but just the hype machine on him. Mainly, it's because the media loves him and his teams. What happened to him? Played Dubor. What were they down? 17 points in the second half. Like that score was a little closer than the thing I witnessed. Yeah. You know, so I, I just think, I think old Jim, I guess is what I'm saying, might have shoved the kid. I, I feel like Jim's in a pretty good place, guy. <laughs> Does that, but you're not saying you think he's not taking the job, an NFL job. I saw a bunch of responses to Feldman, whatever the athletic article was that the yeah. one that Feldman put out, like with Ari? I don't think it was with Ari. I think it was with like Nicole Auerbach and one other reporter. 
the first 40 I just unless, thought, unless there was a different article. No, I think that was the one. So I'll go down in the comments. Had to be 100% Michigan fans. Doing this again. Here we go again. What else? Here we go. Are you serious, Bruce? You know, this is oh, clearly <laughs> just Michigan fans. Well, I did hear Andy Staple say that Harbaugh has not had an agent. Harbaugh has an agent this year. Oh, his point was like, this could just be an agent trying to screw around and get Harbaugh some more money. Although you could argue that doesn't even need to. He just just went to the college football playoff. Back-to-back years beat Ohio State. They're going to automatically give him a raise. I think from a Michigan perspective, because there's a decent chance he's going to have several offers this time around, what the hell would they do? Not ideal timing. Row the boat. I don't think you can hire row the boat, can you? Uh, Jack, just have Jack Harbaugh do it for Jack you. Jack Harbaugh. I, told, I met Jack Harbaugh one time at a Michigan game. He was very cool. Very cool. Um, Sonny Dykes was talking to him at a party. I, I guess they're – okay, you text me that story. Their OC – I think their play callers pr- like – has been pretty has become pretty well established in their program. Uh, so maybe him. Uh, the, I heard somebody say maybe the can't Chris Kleiman, the Kansas State guy, would be a fit at Michigan. Sc- scouting buddy that went through there fucking loves that guy. My question with like you know this is the kind of team that's what kind of program Michigan wants to be It's like yeah but can he recruit the five stars? Because <laughs> contrary to popular belief. Five stars do not recruit themselves to your major football program. Like you do have to go get them and keep them. <clears throat> so you do have to recruit those guys. Well, you know really, I mean? clearly, the- Jim, and Jim, the portal, like Jim figured out the portal pretty well. So well, I, I do, I do wonder if part of it, the reason he's leaving is like this is kind of a pain in the ass. I, I think being a college coach hasn't left yet is infinitely worse than being an NFL coach if the money's equal. I mean, you work dramatically more. I was texting someone the other day. I'm like, I think during the season, like in, in the NFL, it's just NFL football. So it's just you game plan all week and you're just focused on your roster. In college, as a head coach, like Ryan Day probably balances a little bit weekly game plan and recruiting, but it's still a lot of work for like five straight months. To me, it's the off season that is just like when you and I were at Fresno State, Pat Hill making like one five was an incredible gig. Season was hard. But recruiting the off spring ball was like, you guys want to play golf on Tuesday? It was, and he represented, I think, just a lot of other, like, you couldn't, there was no transfer portal. You know, there was no, like, this guy might leap. Where are you going to go? You know, it's like, you don't have to worry about NIL. I I wonder if it's when you're in it and you see some of these people that ask you, like some parents look at you and like, so-and-so is offered, especially Jim in a weird way is like an old school guy. When a guy looks at him like, we have eight hundred thousand dollars from from Penn State. Will you give us nine? And and I, I just think that it's probably weird for some of the older guys. Also, I would say just like fundamentally for Jim, Jim was in the Super Bowl, lost to his brother. Like Jim maybe Jim wants the NFL to go for fifteen years too. Yeah. yeah, maybe Jim wants to go in a Super Bowl. Now you could argue. I think they're pretty close. Like they're in good position right now. I don't think their run would be over in terms of pursuing the national championship, especially the playoffs about to expand. But. Maybe Jim wants to win a Super Bowl. Didn't do it as a player. Played a long-ass time in the NFL. Was in the Super Bowl. Lost to his brother. Maybe he just wants to go win a Super Bowl. I think he's done more than enough now. The second year beating Ohio State. Getting him back-to-back years. Getting the I program agree. like really, really respectable. You can be hurt. I understand. <clears throat> but I don't think you'd be mad at him. 
Who knows? He could come back. To me, the Colts, the Colts makes a lot of sense. And I think Derek in a dome. Jim, you're, you're in our ring of honor (laughs) about that. I only played there for three years. (laughs) I think him and Russ would have be really awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Him and Derek would be really interesting. Do you think it'd be weird too? What if Russ like resurrected his career with Jim and the two high points were him and Pete coach the same guy? That would be, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Uh, John, real uh, shout out to um, listener slash hater goes by Blatt Stevens on uh, Twitter. Tweeted this photo at us. He set up his um, uh, his uh, <laughs> home golf, or I don't know if it's at home, but he put our podcast video on the screen at his like uh, little TrackMan home golf situation. You hit into the screen and said, "Taking out my Raider aggression on these two. I'm jealous. I like Raider Hashtag bang, bang, booty gang. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. You know, uh, one interesting, I got a college football story for you. I was listening to, I went and watched Kyle Whittingham's post-game press conference after the Rose Bowl on Monday. I don't know. Did you watch much of that game? It wasn't a very good game. Well, I mean, I, I was pretty dialed when it was 14 to 14, and then those Navarro Bowman and company took over. I mean, what the hell? Cam Rising got hurt. I didn't even blame him. I, oh, no shit, he got hurt. You see the guys coming after him. I mean, so he's been playing. He's been playing on like a banged up knee this year. Who? And they have not said what the injury is, but Whittingham said after the game, it's a long term. Like it could be a long term injury. And there was like some bubbling of like what would happen with him because he's not a first or second or third round quarterback. But you know, would he, would somebody else offer him a bunch of money in the portal to come play? Would he come back to Utah? Like it just wasn't, it was, there's like a little bit of smoke everywhere with Cam Rising. And now if feel this is just me talking, feels like he's just going to end up back at Utah because he's going to have to recover from whatever this injury is. Like torn ACL. Yeah. I don't know. He did. Kyle Whittingham didn't say, but when you say it's a long-term injury or a significant injury, however he said it, that's the first thing you think is like, but he had a run in that game that even Herbie was like, runs like a fullback. You know, yeah. you're like, <laughs> well, remember Fowler was like offended for him. He's like, you said you, you said he's rumbling. He's not rumbling. It was a sweet run. So it'll be it's like what Utah does because the portal's open for like twelve more days right now. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Like, does he have a long term recovery? Is he going to be back by the season? What do they do? I don't know. I also watched Lincoln Riley's post game, and a lot of people reacted because Lincoln got asked about his defense. And would just basically like, I'm not going to talk about that right now. It's 15 minutes after the game. And people were like, oh, he was, people thought he was being defensive. I actually thought he was just really pissed off at his defense. And that's why he didn't want to talk about it. So I don't know if he's going to do something necessarily, but I thought it was, he was pretty pissed at his defense after the game. Friend of the friend of the show. Yeah. I, I'm rooting for Lincoln Riley. I just think fundamentally his football philosophy and ethos as a football mind is cut from Mike Leach. I, I think Lincoln's dad was a high school coach too, but Although clearly his offense is his like, it's he it, runs but I, football. I, but my point is his influence is scoring points, high octane offense, right? Yeah. I'm not saying it's exactly Mike Leach, four plays running go routes once a week of practice, but like someone DM'd me or whatever that like, look at Sonny and Lincoln. Sonny this year got a bunch of defensive players in the portal. And I think over time, and if you just think about it, Sonny Dyke's a good example of Sonny Dyke's a Washington State guy, or I mean a leech guy too, right? Yeah. Like they were boys. 
he's much older and just seen it all, been fired, kind of just like understands the kind of like when I watched TCU, I went like, this is just a high level operation, like the program. And clearly, Sonny's become just a high level coach. When you just watch him talk, like after the game, you just like, this guy's an experienced. This, I, I could, I like, I remember talking to him. I know you have. Just, yeah, I liked him back in the day, but Name. it just feels like he just gets it now. And I wonder if there's still a maturation process for Lincoln. I mean, shit, he's a year older than us. I mean, he's just, I, I get it. But you told me the other day that DJ's brother, who's one of the top defensive linemen in this class from Los Angeles, I watch USC like they could use that guy. And the reason Pete Carroll, because everyone's like, we got to get back to the Pete Carroll days. Well, yeah, Pete Carroll had a defensive line that was all first rounders. Then linebackers that were all first rounders. He never would have lost that guy. Now, of course, you're not going to land every guy, but if that guy had played tight end or wide receiver, or hell, maybe even offensive tackle, I feel like USC lands him. But I just feel like defense, I bet Dan Lanning sold him on like, fuck yeah. what we did at Georgia. Like his cell, Pete Carroll had a double whammy, right? I coached the NFL on defense. You come here, I will make you a first-round defender. And then offensive guys, like, it's L.A., guys. We're going to score points. Come here. <laughs> Lincoln's got to sell you, like, I need you on defense. But I've never been good on defense. And that that makes me a little nervous for just their high end. Because I watched a lot of those Oklahoma games because of Drew. It was a little bit better version of what I witnessed yesterday, but it had some similarities. It's It's... I just wonder if it's going to be a little more difficult for him to build. Like, because who is Lincoln really competing against? Six other teams? I mean, besides, like, he's got to win his league, but I just mean, like, once you get to the national championship, Michigan, Ohio State, two or three of the top teams. Are you saying to win games or for recruiting? I'm talking about to be a champion. Yeah. Because he's, he's still going to recruit against like Lanning, and I guess you could argue Lanning is going to be competing for national championships too. But my point is like when you're at Ohio State, when you're at USC, when you're at Alabama, when you're you just view it like we got to beat like four or five teams once you get to kind of obviously you got to win conference games. But I mean that's on you as a coach and your program. He's going to be more talented than basically every team he plays in the conference beside maybe Oregon and Utah just has maybe a coaching equal. But it's going to be once you get to the playoffs, which he easily could next year. He's got the best quarterback. I mean, some of those throws Caleb made yesterday was like, what is this is absurd. He's got the best player in the country, but are they going to be good enough to like, they would have got destroyed by Georgia Ohio state. And in fairness, it's his first year, but like, can he flip it next year where they are close to that level defensively? It, it doesn't feel like it. And again, I don't follow recruiting, but that guy is a good example. Like they didn't land a guy that clearly they would have wanted and probably starts like, is Ungle more than likely playing next year for Oregon? I've never seen a snap. I would bet yes. <laughs> I would bet yes, yes. Because typically, like when Mario got Flo or uh, Panay's brother, like the high, high-end defensive guys, even sometimes more than offensive guys, typically play right away, even at the top programs. Will Anderson plays right away. Right. The brothers play right Like, they are Pete Carroll's guys, plug-and-play guys. I don't. I mean, it feels like his guys are tiny, doesn't it? Again, these aren't all his guys, so it's a little unfair. But Oklahoma guys always felt like a little tiny. It'll be a test. I mean, there's that sophomore, true sophomore linebacker Eric Gentry. You remember seeing him transfer from from Arizona State last year? He was an All American, six what seven, number? the skinny six seven middle linebacker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not what they usually look like. 
That's and he was a productive player for them, but like, is that going to work in the college football playoff? Could US could Lincoln just pay Dan Lanning like ten million dollars to be his defensive coordinator great and recruiting question. coordinator? I think no, but <laughs> great question. How much you make, Dan? Seven. We'll pay you ten. You become the defensive coordinator. I'll never boss you around. You run recruiting. You'll basically just do what you do at Oregon, but you never have to think. What about if the it's offense. like you don't have to do recruiting? You don't have to run recruiting. You don't have to run recruiting. You just tell me the guys you want. Yeah. Because if you told me that you could combine those two, I'd say they'd win the national championship. I told you Nick Aliotti told me that defensive coordinators work harder than head coaches. So I don't know if Dan Lanning might, you know, you got to break down more film. You got to do the one. I agree. Yeah. So. I just, it makes me nervous. It was easier to see Pete. He just came together as a unit. Like there is a hole in Lincoln's resume as a coach, and it's just that side of the ball, which is which is putrid most of the time, you know. Yeah, it's it's it's, and I think the pressure of it too is like here you got Caleb Williams. This guy, there's nothing you could say about Caleb Williams that people wouldn't go, okay, maybe. Like if you said right now, like my take, Caleb Williams, he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. Everyone would be like, all right, that's that's a little early, but not insane, right? Not insane. Long career to go, but not insane. So, like, you got that guy for one more year, and he is everything that everybody thought he was as a college player. He won the Heisman Trophy. It, it's, you know, the the world will change in college football. The playoff will be 12 after next year. So, whatever, you'll get to the playoff maybe. But you'll be in the Big Ten then without Caleb. And, the, you know, like, just it's kind of now. Now is the time. And it's, and it's the program you are. Like, ultimately, let's say Drake May. If I say, you know what, guy? Turns out Drake May and Caleb, they're equals, and they go on to both just be like the Mahomes and Allen of their generation. Like, that's believable. But no one's thinking like, Mac Brown, you got to win a natty with Drake May. It's like, Mac, if you win 10 games next year with Drake May, that's an incredible year for North Carolina football. Everyone at USC is like, can we win the national championship next year? Right? I mean, that's because I'll say this. I I watch Penn State. After TCU does it 10 years removed from the Mountain West. I watch Penn State, and I go – How many of Penn State starters on defense would start for USC? I'd be like, potentially 11. I know. They looked. I know. You would say at minimum eight, and you'd feel pretty confident saying that. And they're a team probably. Now, in fairness, they're going to have national championship preseason hype, right? People are going to pick Penn State to. And that's the thing. Like, okay, let's say that's Jim's gone. Yeah, let's just say Penn State Tim and USC. Stroud are both gone. I mean, Stroud yeah. is gone. Stroud is gone. It feels like Jim Harrison gone. back one more year. Smith and Jigba gone, right? Yeah. Never show Marvin. Where's Marvin? It's weird. I know. I mean, I know he's a low key guy, but you know that that he named his son after him, so it's not like he was totally hiding. Typically, that guy, you know, Emmett Smith. Whoever it is, Jerry, just gets, Rice. Jerry shit. I mean, you can't watch it for you. Don't you so. <laughs> if they don't show Jerry, just must not be there. Prime, just like fuck it, I'll be the coach. <laughs> My kids. <laughs> so, could what if Prime beats Lincoln Riley year one? They're a huge wild card in this whole mix, aren't they? Uh, they are. They are. Is Travis Hunter going to go both ways in the Pac-12? That's what I want to know. I hope so. You got to try that, right? 
I got a little note here. Uh, yeah, they play each other. I don't. I don't know where the where the game is. I mean, Colorado only opens with TCU on the road. They're going to lose maybe a lot of guys. Too. They're going to lose a lot of guys. Don't they open with Nebraska? No, I think that's week two or three. So Colorado plays TCU in Nebraska early. That's their non-commerce? Yeah, and then one other, which I, I guess the other game, whatever it is, Weber State or something, could be their opener. I'm not exactly sure. but If you had to place a bet right now, like you were, you were the book, what would you – and obviously we don't know that much, right, Just These how their coaching staff actually looks and what these players look like against other equals. What would you set Colorado's over-under win list? Like what's a – is it a fair number to think they're a bowl team or do you think they're like dwarf that? I think – oh, no. I I think – I would put it at like um, – uh, it's tough because you don't really know. I mean, to me, if they were to win – like six games next year, I would consider that a success. Cause I know some people are like, could they win 11? I'm like, I don't know. But to me, if they won six, I think that'd be pretty successful given how bad they were this year. Were Couldn't he flip it as fast as Lincoln though? Maybe. I don't know. Lincoln calls the plays though. So you knew you were getting a double whammy, right? The players and the play caller. Lincoln also stepping in at SC where they had a bad year, but they still at their worst, they had like a legitimate starting college five offensive linemen. They had like five offensive linemen that USC had recruited and signed, and they all started for him this year, right? Well, it wasn't the running back, 26, with the mustache. He was already there, right? Well, he came from Oregon. Die, remember? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But, yeah, I think the easier projection was SC because a lot of their – It's TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, first three. Okay, so TCU on the road, Nebraska, and Colorado State at home. If he starts two and one, you'd be. But again, TCU's yeah, going mean, I, I to lose a ton of players. I, I think a reason, like to me, if you told me they win eight games, I'd say that's a great success. Well, if he were to win 10 plus, he'd be coach of the year, no matter what, right? Taking over a 1-11 program. Yeah, yeah. If, if he were to win 10 games, he'd be like one and done. He'd be like Alabama's next coach, right? I mean, he, he could be, who knows? Like the SEC big boys would be sniffing around on him after year one. What would you put if it goes well, how many years is at Colorado? I mean, what's well? Yeah, like, I mean. Six, like for, seven wins, ten wins. Five, and by the second year, they're like ten-ish wins competing for the yeah. Pac-12. I think not. Like, I think if he wins nine, like to me, if you told me he wins six games and eight games, I'd say almost every team has to, almost every program has to, with an opening, has to talk to him. If he won eight games by year two, and I know people are setting the bar higher, but I just, if he won eight games by year two, that is a success by every measure. Like, if he wins eight games next year, like when Florida fires Billy Napier, are they calling prime immediately? Giving his prowess as a recruiting clearly. Cause they'd be like, what could this guy do here? Yeah, well, would there be a battle for him if like Florida and Texas had an opening? Where do you think he'd go from, you know, Dallas Florida. guy, right? Yeah. Well, I think he'd go to Texas. Florida's a pretty good job though, but Texas would pay the most. Do you think there's like a 50% chance if it goes incredibly well, he's one and done given the potential openings. I mean, Absolutely. I I listened to on the plane ride. It would have been there because I didn't fly home uh, back to to the Oakland airport. I downloaded uh, the Shay Shay pod because uh, he Shannon went like Dion had been there two days, went to Colorado and sat down with them. Yeah. 
there were some pretty funny parts. Uh, Shay Shay. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's actually a pretty entertaining podcast. And one thing, Dion, Dion was actually he's actually way more serious than Shannon. And even Shannon brought it up. He's like, Dion's been telling me for years, like I got to focus up, always making jokes. And Dion said that the one thing the AD told him when he gave him the Jackson State job, because he's like, people forget, like most people made fun of them, right? You're gonna give Dion like thought it was a huge joke. He's like, yeah, I kind of remember that, right? When Dion got the Jackson State job, he's like, the AD just looked at me and says, just can you just give me if this goes, what can you just give me two years? And he promised him a minimum two mm-hmm. years. He ended up giving him three. So I wonder if there was one of those. Just give me two, Dion. <laughs> yeah. Who's the in Colorado? Rick George. Colorado guy? Oh, yeah. He was on their football staff. We talked about him back when they won a national championship. It would suck. Because if you get a one-and-done coach and he leaves a good, like, again, unless you're, what's his name, went to Florida State. It would mean that year was so much fun, right? Yeah, I mean, they lost a coach one and done when their year wasn't even that much fun, Mel Tucker. I mean, it was a fine year. They beat Nebraska, which was a big deal that year, but I think they went five and seven. <laughs> I think I think you're right. Texas would play for the Cowboys. would make a lot of sense. I'm actually really excited to watch the Sun play. I am too. I think Shador, like it's one of the big, there's some great stories, but haven't I, you got that spring game before? Uh, yeah, but that's, <laughs> I don't, that one could be on Fox this year. I don't know. It's probably not going to come to Haberman. It'll be on Netflix. Uh, not coming to me. It'll be on uh, uh, well off media's YouTube. I would shoot channel. that email right now. Like still in line for the Colorado uh, spring yeah. game, right guys? want to check. We're just going to run it back <laughs> last year. Yeah, what time does Prime want to talk? I know we're four months away. Here's but the tape of me talking to Carl Durell, <laughs> as you can see, very locked in and prepared. Tell Shador I'm coming. Shiloh. What if I, I, just I like know his whole family's name. Shiloh, Shador, Dion Jr., daughter's Dre. name. Dion Dra, I think. Okay. She was the. She sometimes has funny posts. Obviously, Dion Jr. does most of his social media. She does ones where he's like. She walks into the barbershop at his house where he's getting his head painted. It was pretty funny the other day. And he's like, no shame in my game. Like, I, I'm, you're not catching. She's making fun of him. Yeah. And I he don't just refuses to be offended. Yeah. To be the, the barber's painting his head. Dion, Dion was one of us and he left. So none of that's real? No. None of it is real? I think the sides are real. The top, the top is not. Oh. But it, I, I think he got the he got the plugs, but it's still relatively you know this was like several years ago, so I don't think it's that thick. So they they paint sometimes. And his daughter was just laughing, you know. <laughs> he's a, he seems like a good sport for his kids. You know, he said he's never had a drink of alcohol in his life. I did not know that. That's what he said, at Club Shay Shay. Wow, when you're the when you when you just are a party naturally, you know, and and you are always at the party. You know, like when you're Dion, you're not, you don't need to like the party just starts when you walk in. Yeah. You don't need to be intoxicated for anyone to talk to you. As opposed to who said the party don't stop. What was the line? The party don't start till I walk in. In the meantime, in between time. Fabulous, maybe? Yeah. It feels like a late 90s, early 2000s drop. Uh, last thing here, predictions about Trey Lance's future as a 49er, you two. Feels like a YouTube video for February or March, but um, in jeopardy. 
I would say. Yeah, I mean, is he a lock to be the number two in 2023? I think he is, barring his lack of readiness physically. Yeah, it's, what do you think? I mean, who else? How do you see another? I mean, yeah, he's their number two quarterback. Would they draft another guy in the mid rounds or probably not? They don't have any picks, so. I don't think so. No, yeah. David Blau will be their third. You see them signing like a their version of like a Dalton Fel, Flacco type, you know, for like a couple million bucks and get, get an older guy in the room with him. Can that guy be your third string? Your third, you're saying and make that guy your third string or your backup? Well, I mean, look, at the Jets are a good example, right? They got Wilson, White, who's an older young guy, and Flacco. Couldn't you do something like that? Just have Lance, Purdy, and Dalton? I would take Dalton if I can get him for like a million bucks, two million bucks. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, if you're Andy Dalton, you think you can play. You, you like, if you're Andy Dalton, you want to be somebody's true backup quarterback because you still kind of think you can play. I mean, look at his team. Like, well, that's what Kyle says. Like, backup. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like a backup where you could replace the starter because you know, like you to me, you'd go to like, I don't know, you'd stay on the Saints. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't. It's a good question. That guy makes sense. It's the reason, like, we thought they should sign Colt McCoy or whatever this year for different reasons, it turned out. But would he maybe still be an opportunity, you know, coming Again, off an injury? Colt McCoy, you're like, I, I'm going to go play somewhere where, the, where, where I'm like competing for the starting job, where I'm just, I got a shot to, you know, I want to go play with Zach Wilson. I want to go play with some rookie who's gets drafted to some play like Mariota. want to go Colts. Mariota? He's a guy like that. Mariota kind of disappeared on the Falcons. What was the end result there? Kind of felt like Arthur quit. kind of blamed him. So someone wrote he pulled the Derek, but where Derek got a lot of credit, he got crushed. Uh, yeah, what did Sanchez call Derek this weekend? Noble hero? Noble. He called him noble. <laughs> yeah. Noble so. hero. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, quite a day. The uh, by the way, as we were talking, somebody in the in the chat said that um, the Demar Hamlin's uh, GoFundMe for his toy drives over five million dollars. Incredible. Tom Brady donated ten thousand. So, um, thanks for hanging with us, everybody. We'll be back soon. Thanks for working through it all. Good talking and um, share it with people you. You love or just like or just met. Share it with your Uber drivers. That's a good one. I've shared it with many Uber drivers. You oh, start talking sports, and you're like, hey, by the way, here's something to listen to. I think every NFL team should donate a million. They may come to that. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Later. See you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.